white supremacy is the sickness. We know the pandemic has taken an immense toll on frontline healthcare workers. A new report by the Department of Health and Human Services confirms that and reveals the depth of distress throughout the, the healthcare system. NPR Health correspondent Ritu Chatterjee is here to tell us more. Hi, Ritu. Hi, Ari. So depths of distress, uh, what exactly does this report show? You know, we've heard so much about healthcare workers being burned out, but this report really shows that it's way beyond burnout. Many of uh, frontline healthcare providers are reporting symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, especially those who spent more time treating COVID patients. Um, and I spoke with Health Secretary Javier Becerra. He said he was recently in Jacksonville, Florida, meeting with some healthcare workers, and here's what he heard. We heard from a nurse who said that twice he suffered strokes during the pandemic. He never really stopped working, except, of course, to take care of the strokes. But this is the type of load that uh, healthcare workers had. And, you know, providers are still reeling from two years of this, and many have quit their jobs. And, of course, those staffing shortages made the experience for those still working on the front lines even more difficult. Exactly, exactly. And the report uh, talks about it quite a bit. First of all, it acknowledges that the staffing shortage was serious even before the pandemic. And throughout these past couple of years, it's just gotten worse, reaching a peak last January when 22% of hospitals reported critical staffing shortages. And we know that the nursing homes and long-term care facilities, of course, have been very badly hit. Um, but the health secretary also pointed out that while many providers have quit their jobs, a significant number were either furloughed, had their hours cut back, or were just let go. I think over 10, 15 percent of those who were reported being unable to work, it was because it was their employer who had closed or lost business due to the pandemic back in 2020. Now, you know, employment levels have improved since then, but healthcare workers are still very much struggling. And so how are people in healthcare receiving this report? So I asked that question of Dr. Jessica Gold. Uh, she's a psychiatrist at Washington University, St. Louis, and she works a lot with healthcare workers. And Gold says that um, frontline um, providers feel like their concerns, their um, mental health issues um, are being dismissed by those in positions of power in their industry and in society at large. So this report from the government is a good thing. I think it's validating for people to see a government say, this is a problem. You're not making it up. It has been hard for you. And we see it. And, you know, Gold herself received a federal grant recently uh, to address the problem, to connect doctors and nurses at her hospital system, to uh, connect them more easily to mental health care. But she says, ultimately, it's really lawmakers and healthcare systems that really have to take this up seriously and address those underlying causes, um, underlying systemic causes of stress like the staffing shortages. So what does the report say about solutions? So it lists the investments the government has made already in addressing the problem, like the grant money that's gone to, um, uh, you know, researchers um, and professionals like Dr. Gold. Um, it talks about pandemic relief money that's gone directly to providers. And I asked the health secretary about what he's prioritizing, and he said uh, HHS is taking up the staffing issue and starting with nursing homes, which were particularly hard hit by the pandemic. 
That's NPR's Ritu Chatterjee. Thank you. We're in the army now. We're not behind the plow. We'll never get rich at digging a ditch. We're in the army now. We're in the army now. We're in the army now. We'll never get rich on the salary rich. We get in the army now. Petty Officer First Class Jeweria Webb joined the Navy after September 11, 2001. She's Muslim, but Webb was told at boot camp that she could not cover her hair with a traditional hijab. I felt naked. I felt like everyone was looking at me. I felt uncomfortable. Um, but it just, it, was, it took time for me to get used to it. She still covered her hair when she was out of uniform. As her faith deepened, she says she wanted to make the hijab part of her Navy life in San Diego. A few months ago, her command granted her request for an accommodation under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It's something I've always wanted to do. I was just worried about how people would perceive me. And also, it made me feel very proud because now I feel like now I'm representing Muslims and they can see how we really are. Rifra has been in the spotlight as a number of troops, including a group of Navy SEALs, have filed lawsuits on religious grounds. They're challenging the military's COVID-19 vaccination mandate. The Pentagon is discharging troops who refuse the shot. Attorney Daniel Blumberg's firm handles religious freedom cases. He's not involved in COVID lawsuits, but he's worried his clients could be impacted. He says the Navy is bypassing the normal process for granting religious accommodations. The military normally gets it right. We have a heritage of respecting religious difference and religious freedom in the military. It doesn't always get it right. You know, that's, that's why we've had to litigate. Though mainstream Christian leaders support the vaccine, the most common objection is that the cells used to research the vaccine were ancestors of aborted cells taken decades earlier. More than 3,000 sailors have applied for religious exemptions since the mandate took effect in November. A federal judge issued an injunction barring the Navy from discharging them, possibly until the Supreme Court rules. Blumberg fears those cases might make it easier for the military to deny other religious accommodations. I think the process itself is causing a significant part of the problem. But, you know, the big problem is that nobody is getting granted. Nobody's getting granted. Blumberg has represented Sikhs who have filed lawsuits to wear traditional turbans and other sailors whose faith emphasizes wearing beards. He says the law is supposed to find reasonable accommodation wherever practical. If a service member has a sincere religious belief and the government substantially burdens it, then the government has to have a really good reason to do that and in no other way of accomplishing the mission. There are going to be some environments that will not be as conducive for having a bearded Jew or Sikh or Muslim serve in. They just won't. And so those individuals will have the opportunity to serve in other contexts. He says an unvaccinated SEAL can work a desk job rather than in the close quarters of a rib boat, but they shouldn't be discharged. Navy leaders have told the courts that they see vaccination as the way back to normal after crippling COVID-19 outbreaks sidelined ships. Navy Surgeon General Bruce Gillingham spoke to sailors in a video. COVID is a force readiness issue, and there's no better protection for an individual, a family, or the community than getting the immunity that comes from being vaccinated. I do support the COVID um, a vaccine, so that's why I'm vaccinated. Petty Officer Webb said she asked the Council on American-Islamic Relations to write a letter to her command after she became more observant, even though she plans to retire from the Navy in little over a year. In her case, the Navy set limits on where she can wear her hijab. For instance, if she ever works on a flight line. In San Diego, I'm Steve Walsh.
The first round of the NFL draft is tonight. The Houston Texans own the third and 13th overall picks, and after trading their sixth and seventh rounders for a fifth round pick, the Texans still head into the draft with 10 selections to really kickstart the team's rebuild. While many players of color will likely have their names called during the draft and will see their dreams of playing professional football come to pass, most will find themselves playing for white head coaches. The exceptions are here in Houston, where the Texans have named Lovey Smith as their head coach, Miami, which hired Michael McDaniel, and Pittsburgh, where Mike Tomlin has been the longtime head coach. This was brought back into the spotlight in February when former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores, since hired as an assistant in Pittsburgh, filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and its teams, alleging discrimination in the interview process for coaching positions, among other things. Earlier this month, other former coaches joined the lawsuit, which was also amended to name the Houston Texans, whom Flores' attorneys allege retaliated against him by removing him from consideration for their head coaching vacancy because he filed the lawsuit. Teams named in the suit have denied wrongdoing. Since then, the league has announced it would require all teams to hire a minority coach as an offensive assistant, a new requirement under the league's Rooney Rule. And we'll get to what the Rooney Rule is and all behind it in a moment. First, though, let's welcome in our next guest, Javier Loya. He's minority owner of the Houston Texans and the first Hispanic to have such a stake in an NFL team. He also serves on the NFL's Workplace Diversity Committee, which is charged with improving diversity across league and franchise staff. Javier, Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As we chat, we welcome your questions and comments for Javier Loya at 713-440-8870, or you can email us at talk at HoustonMatters.org. Uh, first, do you have any comments about this uh, class action suit or the, the Texans being added to it, uh, even as you have hired back-to-back black head coaches? No, I I'm really can't comment on on uh, legal matters, but what I can comment on some of the things that we're doing as a league, as a, as a team with the Houston Texans, and also in our uh, DEI or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee that uh, that I've served on since 2003. And uh, as I was hearing about your comments, we actually have five coaches of color. So uh, you mentioned Lovey Smith, our coach of the Houston Texans, Mike McDaniel, Mike Tomlin, but we also have Ron Rivera of Washington of Hispanic descent, and then we've got Robert Salea of uh, the New York Jets, who's of, of Lebanese descent. So um, although five out of 32 is not where we want to be, uh, it is showing progress, and uh, and that's what uh, I'm, I'm happy to speak to. Uh, as you noted, the committee you're on, uh, this is not the same committee, I should point out, that's been reviewing head coach and front office hiring, but it is one focused on diversity across the league uh, and uh, uh, across all of the, the various franchises. What have you and that committee concluded about whether the league and its franchises are are doing well in terms of DEI efforts and maybe not doing so well? Well, first of all, we have a perception uh, problem, and, I, and I'm glad that uh, you invited me on your show to kind of maybe correct some of those uh, uh, miscommunication or those inconsistencies, but we've had a lot of progress. I mean, the, the if you look back, uh, uh, the Rooney Rule, uh, named after Art Rooney, um, who passed the rule really to kind of change the 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 culture and, and just bring more minority opportunities to the NFL uh, has really served its purpose. Uh, you don't see it in the head coaching ranks, and that, that's, the, that's what everybody sees and notices, and that's, that's the image problem we have. Now, certainly we're, we're making a lot of amends and, and adding uh, rules and different things we want to do and initiatives to, to help address that, that problem. 
But nevertheless, we've we've had uh, tremendous success. I mean, I think right now we've got 15 defensive coordinators uh, of color, and we've got. Uh, uh, I mean, even from the ownership side, we've got 10 women uh, CEOs that are that are running the NFL teams. We've got 12 female coaches uh, that started the 2021 season. We've got uh, seven African-American uh, general managers. And so we, we've had a lot of progress. And I think last year uh, we, we topped out just about 40 percent of all assistant coaches were held by minorities. So I think we've, we've made a lot of progress, but ultimately... The kind of uh, we're, it seems like we're judged uh, by the media and the, and our colleagues by uh, by how many head coaches we have, and we understand that's a, that's an issue. It's a problem that we're trying to address. Well, of course, those are the the images that viewers will see on game day every time there's a shot on the sidelines. It's typically a shot of the head coach. Uh, I I wonder if uh, part of what is an ongoing challenge for the league and uh, for uh, football fans to understand is what exactly the Rooney rule is, what it was when it first was presented and how much it's changed over the years. So let's start back in 2003. What was the Rooney rule? Well, I mean, first of all, think about the NFL. I think one of the things that uh, people are are so attracted to the NFL is really a meritocracy. It's really the, the most talented players and, and coaches that get to the, the highest ranks. And so um, when we talk about uh, rules and, 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 and best practices, uh, they're, not, they're not mandates. I mean, they're, they're mandates to, do, to, to follow kind of best practices, but they're, we're, not, we're still trying to hire the best coaches out there. And so uh, I think the, the philosophy of, of Mr. Rooney, and, and it's carried over through, uh, through his son, um, that uh, who leads our committee now is that uh, we're just trying to provide more opportunities, more access, uh, and so the the Rooney Rule in its inception was was to uh, to uh, have NFL teams interview minority candidates, at least one minority candidate, before you make your decision. And so um, uh, we've had some success. I mean, we started out, I guess, at three with three coaches only in uh, in in 2003, and we've had we've had as high as seven eight at, at any given point. Certainly right now with, with only five coaches is a little disappointing, but you, you've got to kind of think about it. I, my, my background is commodities, and so I kind of look at statistics, and, and uh, when each year there's only uh, five to six, seven jobs that come up, it's very difficult in, in, uh, to, to make uh, absolute change. But I think the things we're doing now, the things that we implemented from the Rooney Rule uh, with its inception – uh, to extend that to general managers that are part of that decision-making process, to extend that Rooney rule, to extend it to offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And now most recently uh, where we're uh, mandating that uh, all NFL teams have a offensive uh, coach uh, of color uh, that works with the cor- in the quarterback room, that works uh, with the offensive coordinator, uh, that is that, that, progress or that that uh, that stepping stone to eventually become an offensive coordinator and then offensive coordinator become a head coach so i think all those things so i, I do believe in the, in the near future you're going to get a, a tipping point where this is not an issue uh, you know when you kind of talk about these things I, I i remember not too long ago when when uh when uh the issue was there was not enough uh, african-american quarterbacks and, and that's certainly changed. And we, we don't talk about those things anymore. So I, I think we're making progress. We need to get there uh, sooner rather than later. And, but uh, the Rooney Rule has been very effective, I believe. Uh, and we, we, and we, don't, we, we continue to, to analyze this and, and, and add to it. And, and, uh, and most recently, we, we helped create a, uh, 
a diversity advisory committee so that it was people outside of football uh, in corporate America that are, are stakeholders in, in diversity that are coming over to, uh, to advise us and kind of share their, their objectives, share some of their best practices so that we can continue to, to evolve and, and get to a point where we're all proud of the teams and the league that we have. This is Houston Matters. I'm Craig Cohen. We're talking with Javier Loya, a minority owner of the Houston Texans and member of the NFL's Workplace Diversity Committee, about representation in the league from players to coaches to management and ownership. We welcome your questions and comments at talk at HoustonMatters.org, or you can call us at 713-440-8870. You mentioned how the the Rooney Rule, uh, and again, this was named uh, for the late Pittsburgh Steelers owner, Dan Rooney, uh, how it was uh, most recently amended to include a requirement that at least uh, one uh, ethnic minority position, uh, that someone who is an ethnic minority uh, is holding a position within the offensive staff. Uh, and I guess this is a question that maybe uh, especially a lot of casual or non-sports fans might not understand. But the, there, there's a, a concerted reason behind this, right? The, the, it's a concern about this notion of uh, what seems to be a recurring pipeline through which people end up becoming head coaches. Well, as, as we as we look at uh, kind of our, our league, our teams, uh, it's become very offensive driven, and so a lot of the talent, a lot of the head coaches are coming from the offensive side of football. Uh, the, the rules, if you notice, have changed uh, in the NFL to allow more scoring. Uh, all, all positive things that I think our fans have reacted positively. Uh, but as we look to affect uh, change at the head coaching position, then we had to get uh, we, we had to get thoughtful and we had to get uh, uh, decisive and 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 try to address it. Now again, uh, this is a meritocracy. We're still hiring the best coaches. I mean, Lovey Smith is the head coach of the Houston Texans because he's the best coach for us. Um, but um, as we kind of looked at it, we thought, okay, where's the talent pool coming from, and how can we affect change there? And so. Um, uh, part of the part of the issue is not only to uh, to um, you know ask our teams or mandate our teams to have an offensive assistant uh, that either can come through the internship program, but also uh, we recognize that in the college ranks uh, that uh, coaches are, are are doing well, are, are getting paid well, so it's it's harder to re- recruit talent there. So that's why the NFL also, uh, from the league office standpoint is stepping up and saying they will pay a certain amount of that of that compensation for that hired offensive minority position uh, to, to make sure that it's, it's competitive, that we can get some talent in there. And eventually that, that person is going to be uh, the offensive uh, uh, coordinator or the pass coordinator, then the offensive coordinator. Once he kind of moves that up or quarterbacks coach, then we think he's, he's in a position really uh, to become a, a head coach for one of our teams. I wonder if there's a connection between that and what you were talking about, you know, going back 20, 30 years where there were concerns raised. Uh, the, the, there were people with outdated attitudes thinking that, for example, uh, you know, black players shouldn't be quarterbacks. It was stupid. Um, do you think that there's a little bit of maybe that lingering in this idea that that for whatever reason – uh, too many black coaches get pigeonholed into being considered defensive coaches and, and that there needs to be a, a more intentional, concerted effort to ensure that they're in the room uh, as uh, the offensive strategy is developed and that that will lead to, down the road, one way or another, more black head coaches being hired. 
No, it's a, it's a good point. And, uh, and, and that's one of, some of the things we considered why we felt it was strong to, to really push on the offensive side. But it's not, that, was, that was just one rule. We also have uh, uh, fellowships, internships. We have quarterback uh, camps that we invite uh, minority coaches so that they can continue to kind of to learn uh, the football business, if you will, to put them in a position to be successful. But, but again, I mean, just like the, it's, it's a good analogy. I mean, it, it, you know, we all kind of cringe because we can't believe here in America in 2022, we're still talking about, you know, African-American uh, quarterbacks, but it is kind of an analogy of, of kind of uh, the situation we find ourselves with a limited number of head coaches. But I, I can tell you just like, uh, just like it was addressed on the quarterback side, at the end of the day, it's about winning. I mean, when, when you, when, when we get some talented coaches and they're there, they're, they're moving up the ranks and some just need to get that shot. Uh, you know, Pep Hamilton's one of them. I mean, I, I hate to lose our, our coach, but Pep Hamilton is going to be someone that, uh, that has already been uh, um, kind of, you know, uh, uh, watched, if you will, by, by teams that, that are looking for their next head coach. And so um, I think from a competitive standpoint, as you start seeing, just like we saw with the quarterbacks, uh, when you start seeing coaches of, of color that can relate to their to their their players because they either played with them or because uh, they've got um, uh, same cultural backgrounds, I think those are the kinds of things that, that I, I think ownership and the decision making around head coaching, whether it's a general manager or key personnel, are going to start making those those switches because at the end of the day they want to win. They want to win, and, and that's that's the that's the bottom line. Related to that, the league also began awarding draft picks to teams that develop minority talent that would go on to become head coaches or GMs around the league. Uh, have we seen examples of that so far? No, absolutely. I mean, I think you're going to see tonight. I think San Francisco's got three picks. Uh, so does Baltimore because of their reward system. Uh, it was implemented in 2020. So it's reward. It's rewarding teams who develop individuals who are hired for a general manager and or a head coaching position. So uh, if you hired Robert Saleh up, the, uh, the Jets uh, from the San Francisco 49ers, and San Francisco is going to pick up a, a draft pick. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, uh, those are all things that are coming out from, from uh, the, the Rooney rule. And as you mentioned earlier, from, from Dan kind of having that vision and, and all the way to, uh, to Art now who runs uh, our committee, so Mr. Rooney. But, uh, and it's important that we've got football people uh, that have chaired that committee uh, because at the end of the day, it, it, it is about football. This is this is still a, a sport that I think people appreciate because it's the most competitive, and not you know, not uh, not anything else. But uh, but no, we're, we're excited about that. And frank, frankly, uh, our team, the Houston Texans, we're the most diverse from a minority coaching standing, standpoint than anybody in the league right now. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm also excited that uh, not too excited, but. Someone may uh, recruit our, our coaches, our assistant coaches at some point, and we'll get some more draft picks. Javier Loya is a minority owner of the Houston Texans and a member of the NFL's Workplace Diversity Committee. Javier, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Here at Rice, I'm really fascinated by resilience. So what are the adversities that we all face and what can organizations do to help people overcome those? This study, uh, we surveyed 345 black employees and we asked them to share stories of 
racial microaggressions that they've encountered at work. So those subtle, ambiguous things that you wonder, you know, was that racist? Or did they say that because I was black? Or would they say that or do that if I were not black? And so we asked people to tell us stories of what's going on so we could get an empirical assessment of just the real world today. It was actually a lot to digest some of the experiences that people were reporting, reading some of these raw and hurtful experiences that people are constantly targeted by was really um, a lot to take in, but I, it also really highlighted how important it is for us to really shine a light on these experiences and make people aware of the kinds of things that black employees face at work all the time. We coded over 90 instances of racial microaggressions and we found three overarching themes and those included things like anti-black stereotype expression so things like assumed lower intelligence um, another theme was role assignment so assuming someone was there to serve them or you know telling someone in an elevator hold this open the door move that um, and then the third example was um, interactional injustice so invisibility acting like someone's not there, getting into their personal space, and also pathologizing their physical attributes. So telling a black woman, you know, your hair is unprofessional or touching. We saw a lot of people saying, you know, people just walk up and grab my hair. They ask a lot of questions, personal questions about it, and it makes them uncomfortable. Microaggressions are not micro because they're small, it's that they're interpersonal. So they're things that people may do or say that they may not intend for them to be rooted in racism or racialized stereotypes, but they are. And our quantitative um, effects show that it does harm people's work experiences. So organizations, although they have you know, policies and laws about overt discrimination, we also need some trainings about awareness of what microaggressions are. And we also need people to be open to acknowledging if someone says, you know, that felt racist. Even though you could say like, oh, it wasn't blatant, people need to be aware and open to knowing even if it feels like it is, it's harming that person. So I should address it. With the pressures of the Cold War, the Old Atomic Energy Commission did not give much thought to race relations when choosing to put its new H-bomb facility in South Carolina. That oversight has haunted the Savannah River site for the past 60 years and still does today. Racial discrimination has plagued the Savannah River site since its inception. When it first opened to produce nuclear weapons to fuel the Cold War, African American laborers were sent into the site's most dangerous areas. Sixty years later, African Americans face professional dangers, such as immobility in the workplace. In 2009, even the Savannah River site manager Jeffrey Allison was moved out of his position. Whatever way you slice it, racism is present. At one point, for a slight increment of time, I kind of thought that the world was heading towards a better place. And quickly, I realized it wasn't. Meet the Lindsay family, a father, a mother, and their 10 children leading busy, ordinary lives in Greenwood, South Carolina in the 1950s. That was until Mr. Lindsay's new job turned their world upside down. It was the one decision to work at the bomb plant that changed their lives forever. And he never had any knowledge going into that job that these risks to his health and his life and his family were, were there for him. 
Mr. Lindsay was a principal at a black high school. When the Savannah Riverside offered him a better paycheck, he took it, besides the fact that the commute would be hours long. The lengthy drive turned out to be the least of the job's downsides. He left primarily because he wouldn't pay more. Right. And with a, a, a family of 10 children, 10, ten children and a, and a wife who was a homemaker, right. and his, his responsibility was to provide. And um, I'm certain that he did not realize the risks that were involved. I can't imagine. Like Mr. Lindsay, the other African Americans hired to be labor workers did not view the job as a death threat. They were not told the plant could expose them to dangerous levels of radiation. The sacrificial lambs are people like Beulah's father and, and her family. And these people have ripples out into the community. All anyone knew was that the job was highly regarded and brought in good money. I mean, it was a prestigious job supposedly at that time. Mm -hmm. But um, I think when you lose sight of that also as a human being, and this could be anyone who's doing the same thing, trying to sacrifice, trying to make, make a, a living for his, his or her family. The signs of Mr. Lindsay's radiation exposure showed up early. I think he started in 52. In 54, he was crying about, uh, he was down there talking about the bronchitis and nose and all the respiratory problem that he was having. The longer Mr. Lindsay spent working at the Savannah River site, the sicker he became. His children watched as a job that was paying for their livelihood killed their father. I remember his being sick. I remember his um, getting up in the middle of the night and throwing up blood in the bathroom. And I remember we had, um, uh, we had um, wallpaper. And it was always one little spot I used to stare at. They discovered the uh, a rash on it, you know. And that rash is definitely an indication of internal uh, exposure uh, to something that is foreign and harmful. My father had been sick for many, many years working sick. He was locked in the situation. After years of ignoring his symptoms, SRS management brought Mr. Lindsay home from work one day to die. Our mother would drive to the hospital and mm -hmm. we would be left in the car because we couldn't go in, we were very young. Mm -hmm. And she would, she would open his curtains so we could oh. see him uh, in his room. And wave. And, and wave, yeah. Twelve years after making the decision to work at the bomb plant, Mr. Lindsay died. He was the youngest of 13 and probably one of the youngest to die in his family. The African-American workers at the Savannah River site were not given the same opportunities as the white workers to protect themselves from radiation. They were sometimes told to leave their badges that measured exposure levels at the door so they could work longer in dangerous areas. The white workers had separate laundry facilities to wash their exposed clothing, while the black workers did not. All I knew is that my father uh, got cancer as a result of working at the bombing plant. That's, you know, and his mom would often say, because she was, uh, would get very angry when she talked about it. Uh, she said, they kill Rob, they kill Rob. At this point in time, Mr. Lindsay is not the only member of the family that has been lost to cancer. Mrs. Lindsay and two of the children fell to the same fate. My, my mother was a, a great homemaker. And, I mean, we, talking about the five food groups, I mean, we, we were taught to eat so-called correctly way before it became something, you know, a, a common thing. I mean, I mean from, from day one, I mean, so, and, and we were taught to um, 
exercise, take care of our bodies. I mean, so there's no reason, and we never smoke, never drink. I mean, that's just something that we don't, we never saw it in the house, and we never did it. Um, and, and we were very close to our father, particularly the older ones, spending a lot of time with him and uh, being around and washing his clothes, this kind of thing, because, I mean, that's what you did. And this, there were ten children, my mother couldn't do it all. So all of us participated and had our responsibilities. I, there is no plausible reason to me why my sister Jo is, is, is not here today and had breast cancer. But the healthy foods the Lindsay children were eating sometimes came from the leftover farms from the towns that were relocated to construct the Savannah River site. They had food out there and hunting. And those people used to go out there and hunt and get deer and stuff like that. They would hunt off these places where they buried and drank the stream from. They'd get food. My father would bring it home all the time. Mm -hmm. They would sell it on the, by, the, by the roadside. They would let the people go out there and hunt and get those things. If you don't have a high regard for a certain kind of people, then you're apt to put them into situations that's not good for their life. And those who are not African-Americans perhaps would be more in the know. So they don't want the jobs. So uh, uh, physically, it, it not, none of the jobs are tough. But, uh, but if you don't know, the exposure is a long-term thing of it, all you know is what make good money. Uh, you, you don't know. He said those who are not African Americans. Now, maybe he meant those no good scoundrels like Yamisau Sender. Black female, I think her parents were born in the area of the world known as Haiti. Folks like that. Kwame Ture, formerly Stokely Carmichael, the late Sidney Poitier, maybe they meant some of these black people that are born outside the U.S. Maybe that's who they were talking about, maybe? I don't know. It sounded like it could have been the usual suspects when he said, the, if you are not African-American, you would be more in the know to not take these dangerous jobs where you will be poisoned and killed, maybe even your family too. And everybody said, oh, I don't know what happened. Oh, I don't know what, what, what? Mm-hmm. Then he ended, it. if you were black, you don't know. Good job, good pay. Will you say, you say, take the, the monitor off that tests for radiation. You said, take that off before I go in to do an inspection. But you sure? They said we should keep it. Oh, okay. Take it. Okay. He said, take it off. I'll do it. They say, okay. And just go in and clean. Okay. Okay. And then five years later, you got rashes. And that's if you haven't died already. Oh, you don't know. You know, the Negras, you know, they love those menthol cigarettes. That's what they come back and say. Put that one on you. Woo. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date friday may 6 2022 so i have been told this is our weekly summit neutralizing workplace racism let us know this is not for spectators this specific broadcast if we have any 
victims of racism in the known universe. You have figured out some things. They don't ever pull that one on you. Send you off to the contaminated area of the facility and then uh, repossess, you know, your monitor and everything that's supposed to keep you safe in the workplace. Make sure that you haven't been subjected to radiation, poisoned, whatever else it is. That never happens to you. You know all of the safety hazards, all of the precautions. You are not going to be poisoned and killed in your work environment because, hey, I know all of the safety protocols from A to Z and they are followed religiously in my workspace. You get your promotions, you get your raises, you don't need any lame Rooney rule to look out for you. You are well treated, well compensated in your workplace. Let us know how you did that. We would love tips. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. Give out the info again. Not for spectators. If you have problems, would like counter racist suggestions, we'll do our best to use logic try to help solve problems without creating new problems the number 720-716-7300 decode 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate email untiljustice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com share let folks know that we are broadcasting live for neutralizing workplace racism as we do every Friday 8 p.m. Eastern 7 p.m. Central 5 p.m. Pacific a few quick comments on some of the reports that we heard and then we will get to folks who dialed in and the many 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 folks who wrote in as well Uh, first report we heard about the string that two plus years of COVID-19 has placed on folks, nurses working in the medical industry. You have lots of non-white people there. They even nab quite a few non-white people who were born outside the U.S. because they have such a shortage of nurses and because aging population of individuals classified as white. But that is a really lame job frequently where it's poor compensation. And then on top of that, all of the stress uh, for a lot of folks in these positions where they're not being well paid. Uh, they heard they talked about the one medical professional that I didn't have uh, any pictures or anything, but they said, hey, person had a stroke and then they're right back on the job. Like, are you serious? I've seen white people fake injuries on the job, call it gold bricking, and they're out for a week. How do you have a stroke? And you're right back at it. John Henryism. And again, that's a lot of non-white people in those jobs. Uh, let's see. That next report was about uh, the armed services and them trying to force people 
both they were talking about with hair covering and with COVID-19 with the vaccine. Now they had a black female, uh, Miss Webb. They showed uh, her picture with that report, even though it was audio. Uh, and they were talking about she's Muslim. She wants to wear her hijab. And the military says, oh, no, nah, can't do that. That, you know, violates codes and what have you. Now, I have no idea because you could have a uh, they give you a helmet sometimes, depending on which branch of the armed services that you're in. But I mean, really, a head wrap? How is that going to cause problems or impair me from doing my duties? Come on. Come on. Nonsense. This, these are the same folks where they were like, oh, no, cornrows. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, you know, violation of rules and regulations. Incidentally, we just talked about all this like 30 days ago where we were saying, hey, if some young people, if you know some folks, they're about to graduate from high school next month, maybe or this month, depending on, you know, location uh, or whatever, you know, getting their GED community college and they come to you. Hey, uh, someone from the Navy, a recruiter, you know, rep- approached me. And they said, I should consider this. What would you say? Is that a career option? And I would say, you want to know everything before you, you know, enroll. Uh, Am I going to have to take COVID-19? Because we talked about that. Am I going to have to take the shot, the booster, the vaccine, all of that? Am I going to have to cover my head? You want to know everything in advance. Can I get a signing bonus? What's the maximum signing bonus I can get? All of that so that you can make an informed decision when you enlist if you choose to do that and incidentally expecting that hey once I sign up like hey they might order me to do anything including put a rifle in my hand to go kill some other non-white people at the Superdome or wherever China Iraq wherever it may be want to be just like before you take that job at McDonald's you want to be informed before you enlist you want to be informed let's see next one and we heard all this, uh, this section on the Houstons. Uh, they shouldn't even have NFL. Hopefully when we replace white supremacy with justice, the NFL, that can be totally obliterated because we do not need the brain damage industry. We were like, wow, that is totally barbaric. What do we need to see people knocking each other as hard as they can? And, oh, he broke that fella's neck and all the rest. Like, come on. We got spaceships to build, a universe to explore sit around and engage in this Neanderthal activity that sounds like universal man universal woman, we obviously got a long way to go, they had the audacity in this segment, Houston Public Radio progress, I counted the word progress was used in that segment four different times pause for Johnny L. Cochran Jr. Arenthal James uh he died nearly 20 years ago. He was addressing this same problem. So when Johnny Cochran was alive and hated because of his connection to Arenthal James, they had three Negro head coaches in the NFL. Johnny Cochran, as I said, been dead for 20 years. And we now got five Negra head coaches. And you want to say the word progress over and over and over. Disgraceful. I said that word so many times when they went on to give all this nonsense 
Uh, and shout to Jackie Robinson, World War II veteran, when they were talking about the meritocracy in the military. Nonsense. They do not have a record to be proud of. Jackie Marshall, Jackie Robinson was court-martialed because of the religion of white supremacy racism. That was what they were talking about, religious freedom with Miss Webb. And we like, get out of here. They are about the religion of white supremacy racism. We talked about Black Soldier Blues just a couple of days ago. Anywho, with the NFL segment, they said 5 of 32 just for your data. That's 15.6% of the coaches in the NFL are Negro. Over 60% of the players are Negro. You can't even get 16% of the coaches to be black? Okay, they continue. They say, uh, this is an image problem. Oh, they said that one a bunch. This is an image problem. This is an image problem. People keep saying we haven't made progress. We haven't hired any black coaches. This is an image problem. Incidentally, the NFL has a brain damage problem, but whatever. Uh, he says we have 15 defensive coordinators of color. Now that right there, Mr. Flores brought this lawsuit. Incidentally, he wasn't born in the U.S. either, but whatever. Uh, Mr. Flores, black male. He said that it was black males specifically who are not getting hired for these head coaching jobs in the NFL. He didn't say people of color. He didn't say minorities, LGBTQI individuals, transgender. That's not what he said. I don't think they have 60% of the NFL is transgender. I might be confused, though. I haven't inquired. Patrick Holmes might be fooling me. 15.6% are black coaches. So now he comes back and say, well, we got 15 defensive coordinators of color. Now, I don't know what that means. These folks born in, in Lebanon, Mexico. What does that mean? Because I mean, next he says we got seven African-American general managers. Seven out of 32. That's not very good either. He said 40% of the assistant coaches are minorities. Now, that's another one. Eep. Minorities? Does that mean females? Does that mean white women? Does that include gay white men? Transgender? LGBT? I mean, we could throw a whole lot in there. And then at the end, have oh, we'll throw maybe two Negroes in there. And hey, 40% minorities. Hey. <laughs> progress he said uh, we have meritocracy that was he said we're about hiring the best coach for the position in football that is an absolute total lie that is a lie on like so many levels Uh, in a system of racism white supremacy it is never about meritocracy at no time now, you want to be recent with evidence as to why is that a lie? And I mean like a flagrant lie. Urban Meyer just lost a job down right where uh, our caller in Florida at the courthouse, his part of Florida, North Florida, Polk County area, Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville, my man Andrew, former president. 
they said this fella, Urban Meyer, who was a college coach, they said that this fella, head coach, did not know who Aaron Donald was. Hopefully we have a lot of cows listeners. You also have no idea. Who was Aaron Donald? What does he do? If you are a head coach in the NFL, that right there is all the proof you need. Wow, that Coon Gus, he might be ignorant a whole lot of times, but wow. How do you get hired as a head coach in the NFL and you don't know who Aaron Donald is? To help the slow people, or excuse me, you're not slow, the intelligent, brilliant cows listeners who are clueless about who Aaron Donald is, the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. When you see the picture of their Super Bowl willing team, the black fella, the huge black fella who has a C for captain for the team that's holding the trophy, that's Aaron Donald, who's won Defensive Player of the Year, I don't know how many times, widely regarded as one of the best players in football for many years now by some the best player in football. It would be the equivalent of someone in basketball saying, who is this LeBron James fella? Do you know who that is? Is that name familiar? Meritocracy, that's what he said. Uh, They said, we got to get more of these minority coaches into offensive coordinator positions. That also is laughable because right now, Eric Bieniemy. we're not giving you a tutorial on like every Negro in the NFL, but Eric Bieniemy is a black male. He played in the NFL. He is currently an offensive coordinator for a team that won a Super Bowl. What other credentials do you need? And him not being a head coach is so flagrant. Other white people have questioned publicly. Dang, why hasn't Eric been the me? Ben, he's an offensive. It's just what they said. It's offensive driven league. We want someone who does offense and the Negroes need to be at the offensive table. Check that box. Won a Super Bowl. Check that box. He actually played. Check that box. What else? He does have a lot of melanin, so. Let's see. Was anything else? That whole segment was so disgraceful. And even the quarterbacks, they brought that up. It was so disgraceful on so many levels. They said, we've made progress four times. We made progress because, see, back in the day, we didn't allow Negroes to be quarterbacks. And look how many Negro quarterbacks we got. Cam Newton out here can't even play anymore. He's got a clipboard. Thank God he didn't mention Colin Kaepernick. Even that. Yeah, there are a lot more black quarterbacks now than there used to be. That used to be totally prohibited. No Negro quarterbacks or head coaches. That said, Lamar Jackson just won MVP like Aaron Donald. Lamar Jackson had all kinds of problems. And white people said, that dude is a bust. He should be a wide receiver. How are you going to let him be a quarterback? I said, dang, what do you mean? He won the Heisman Trophy. What do you mean he can't be a quarterback? And they said, wait, wait a minute, is this? Are y'all sitting around saying this because you, you don't, you don't, you don't think it's because they. (sighs) Not that football is the most important thing, but I mean, wow, that was just, I would have preferred like, hey, we are about the religion of white supremacy, racism, and we don't think you nigger. 
thank you for all of your service with fire, fire, retired firefighter, but no, you niggers are not coaches. We don't want you to hold a clipboard, Colin Kaepernick, all the rest of you. White man needs to be a job. brain power. We need a white man. I would have preferred that as opposed to would come out and lie to me or even just tell me we just don't want nigger males. We're going to get some white women coaches, some gay coaches, a little bit of everything. Eric Benamy and the rest of you all? Hmm. Let's see. What else did they have? Same cultural background. They had so much nonsense in them. <laughs> the same cultural background. I don't even know what that means. Does that mean we all watch Sanford and Son? The same cultural background? <sighs> the last one, uh, Oh, there were two, the two final clips. One was really quick. Danielle King, Professor Danielle King, she was talking about her report about anti-black racism in the workplace, microaggressions, and she gave her uh, definition, and black people assumed that they're the help, right? She said, you know, you get on the elevator, and they're like, oh, uh, nigga boy, hold this uh, clipboard. I was like, wait a minute, I'm not the elevator operator, <laughs> like all that. She should be coming to the cows next Wednesday, so next week it'll be like we have two uh installments of neutralizing workplace racism i saw her work well, i saw that segment she wrote a full report it is titled when thriving requires effortful surviving delineating manifestations and resource expenditure outcomes of microaggressions for black employees that is the full title. Lots of technical terms. This was uh, published in the Journal of Applied Psychology uh, this month. Actually, I had to go to UW uh, Library to get the full report. Uh, it's about 25 pages. I'd be willing to share if anybody wants to check it out. But she should be here on Wednesday. I'm one super eager to see if she has suggestions, things that black people can do uh, to neutralize some of these efforts. And then. What's been the reception? Are white people willing to implement some of her suggestions to make these changes in the workplace? Because I don't see that happening, NFL or anywhere else. But that should be Wednesday, May 11. Professor Danielle King, who is a black female. Now, I did have great reservations because, I mean, hey, unequivocally, cows, white guests only. No exceptions. The only reason that I made the contact workplace racism is so important and resources on that are so important and so lacking that I said hey this is something that was just published if she's willing to chat we should do it but I mean hey and I even think I might have to say this to her and or at minimum get it on the program like psh, I am never excited about talking to victims of white supremacy racism white guests only Unless we can get O.J. Simpson, Anthony Broadwater. Uh, the last report, the book club, as he made Washington Williams. I don't know if people are listening, have been following with us. We're almost done. I cannot say it's like uh, a book I've enjoyed. Uh, it's I enjoy learning a lot. So that's been constructive. But I mean, wow, it is pretty easily. I think the saddest book that I've ever read for so many reasons. One of them, that last segment I didn't even play the full report. That's just a snippet talking about the experience at the Savannah River site in South Carolina. Incidentally, Essie Mae Washington Williams, her dad, Strom Thurmond, child raping racist, helped 
acquire the property, which required booting a lot of black people in South Carolina to get the land to construct this nuclear facility. And then all the layers of racism. When I heard this, I wanted to play it and did play the entire piece yesterday for the book club. But man, even our narrator said, good God, isn't that neutralizing workplace racism? Absolutely. Every component of it. Would you, the Lindsay family, they said, man, he was working as a principal. I got 10 children. I want to be a man. I want to provide for my family. I don't want to be on the dole and, you know, give me a handout. No, 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 no. I'm qualified. I want to get up and work and take care of my children so they can see not all black males are lazy. Ah. Lie to you and put you over in the contaminant. Oh, yeah. The radiated area. I mean, the uh, uh, area B. Yes. Just go over there. And she said, dang, he's, he's got these symptoms and a rash. What is that? Oh, don't worry about that. That's not that. Yeah, don't even worry about that. Yeah. It was a black male towards the end of the segment where he said, those in the know who are not African-Americans, they wouldn't take these jobs. Not going to have me dropping dead in five years, mysteriously contaminate my whole family. Uh-uh. That's nigger work right there. You didn't even hear the part. It continued. They spoke with a black female, Miss Johnson. She said, just like Essie May. Oh, man, I lived in California. It was great. It was no racism out here. Love it out here. Meet that fellow Rodney King. It's great. Then went to South Carolina. Try to get a job at this facility. I look at the requirements. Degree. Boom. Check. Experience. Boom. Check. All the qualifications. I'm willing to move across country to get it. I can't even get an interview. She said, I look like, wait a minute, let me go back. What is the qualification? Okay, you got to have BA. Boom, got that. Okay. Boy, two to four years experience. Okay, boom, got that. What? I don't understand. She said she called the people back. Like, what? I can't even get an interview? Like, dang, is that cutthroat? Is that competitive? She said she went and went, talked to the folks who eventually got hired for this job. White people whoa meritocracy that's what they said they didn't even have the qualifications for the job stuns like what I didn't even play that part I mean hey how much time do we have uh, let's see I'll do one email that's what I talk about all the time like in terms of the workplace you got to be really dedicated to your safety because that is every day workplace environments where they will put the black people non-white people spade work that's what they call it put you in there you got to clean up all the uh, toxic material yes 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 and do it deliberately like I said take your monitoring equipment so that oh no this is contaminated you can't be there so that I have, we don't even have a record that this happened so that's just some old hearsay who are you going to take the word of some nigra You have to be on guard about your safety at all time, even if you work with exclusively non-white people, all born in the U.S. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. First person who wrote in lots of emails this week. Uh, okay. So last week we had a number of folks or we had a female, non-white female victim she wrote in, she was talking about attire, hair, clothing to wear for the workplace. 
Uh, see, she suggested pick one hairstyle and stick with that. It never changes in the workplace and or covering your hair, Miss Webb, uh, so that that is never an issue. Uh, the folks that you work with, they only see your hair one style. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. What are, in a constructive manner? What do folks think, especially what do some of our female listeners, what do they think? Is that something that they would be willing to do a sacrifice? I think some would think of it uh, style for just being constructive and having a code to minimize problems in the workplace. First person wrote in uh, my response to wipe the workplace racism question posed April 29 Friday. I can see how a standardized hairstyle and wardrobe could be a major adjustment for some, but it is a worthwhile strategy to me. My hair is worn the same way at all times at work and often outside of work as well, unless a unique occasion requires something else. I made this adjustment six years ago and it took persistence and patience to change past habits as a result I save time I mean I can say that about 15 times I save time and money and mitigate unwanted interactions some attention can't be totally avoided but appearance expresses priorities and can portray an image of seriousness and focus. Tidy and professional are appropriate style statements for work and school. The caller's suggestions were sensible. Much obliged. Thank you kindly for the feedback. I think we had our caller in Georgia. She said last week, hey, system of white supremacy you could wear a hefty bag you know, and you could still be mistreated or have Jerry Sandusky or some let Strom Thurmond uh, trying to hit on you absolutely true that said I do think it is very sensible very logical trying to minimize things as best we can and specifically trying to minimize unwanted attention focused on your hair your wardrobe, jewelry, anything else. We're just here to work. Uh, I said about time and energy. Just that alone. I have seen where so many folks that ends up becoming like a whole investment itself in terms of what are we going to wear to work and what are we going to do with the hair and all this and, and then talking about what everybody wore to work, talking about what I'm going to wear to work, what this person wore to work like. That is not why we are here and especially in a system of white supremacy racism I'm just here to work much less all of the unwanted attention that non-white people get for their hair the way that they dress all of that whether you you know have the the snappiest fashion sense ever ever uh, your hair whatever it is uh, regardless it just consistently uh, and even if you work with a lot of non-white people it really would behoove you in terms of time and energy and minimizing how much am I going to have to talk about my hair? If I got a new style that you already like or didn't change it up or what I'm wearing today or what are you going to wear this day and all the rest of it, like none of that. I'm here, as she said, 
I'm sending a message. I'm here to be serious and professional. I didn't come to have a conversation about your nail color, your heels, your tie, none of that. I'm not expecting anything about my attire. We're here to work. Now, I guess if you work at a boutique, you make, you know, designer clothes, that sort of thing might be different. Most folks that participate here, I have not heard they do not work at a boutique. They are not making tailor-made suits and dresses and all that again might be a little different you might have to talk a little bit more about your clothing but even then it would be greatly tamped down I know some people who do hair they don't necessarily go crazy styling their hair every day some of them in fact are real low maintenance with their hair saying I said the thing I said before saving time and energy the number is 720 Seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail dot com. Feel free, chime in, let us know if you have your own situation, comments on uh, what has been shared thus far, and certainly if you have suggestions for things that non-white people can and should be doing in the workplace to minimize problems. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bay Area Mom, see your hand. I will nab other folks as I see the hands go up. Uh, Bay Area Mom should be with us. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um Greetings to everyone on the line. Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear any of the clips uh, the way I wanted because I was at work and someone was talking to me, so I had to listen. So I'll do my workplace racism. Um, I, I was in a uh, a meeting uh, with my supervisor and. We were talking about uh, the teacher that doesn't uh, care for me. So uh, I only because this is how I I just do a rundown on all the children on our cases from each school and just uh, have a, just a brief uh, discussion for the week. Um, she was telling me uh, I was I you know I uh, went over what happened. Um, what I told you guys, uh, maybe whenever that's when I talked to her with the yelling and stuff. And she's always been yelling. So I was just letting her know some of the stuff I have to say. I just tell the uh, teacher's assistant versus her because she doesn't listen. So I just say, do I just let them know what I'm doing so it won't be as if I'm just doing stuff on my own without informing anyone. So she, um, she said, yeah, she told me. I had um, talked to her. She's like, I was trying, you know, I tried to talk to her. She said, so when I was talking to her, this had to be almost a month ago. So I I would, when I saw her up there talking to her, I don't know if she had went since then, but she said, the lady said, yeah, someone went to the vice principal and snitched on me and said, I'm yelling at the dad. So I just started laughing because I just thought that was so, um, 
I just, <laughs> I just wouldn't use that vocabulary. Like, uh, and I know I'm, I work at a school, especially these children. Nobody snitched on you, lady. You, I guess I'm the snitch. So anyway, um, she said, uh, "Well, um, do you? Is that true? Are you? You are, aren't you?" And that, this is what she said. She said, she, "Yeah, but still." I I just snitching on me, and then uh, the people aren't doing their job. I mean, you know, people are not, not, like, but, but you do do that, right? And you do, you, you are yelling and screaming. You are doing this, right? So this is actual information, right? So she's still battling back and forth because this is what she does. She's always got a defense because she doesn't want to be incorrect. Um, I uh, haven't seen her. I was supposed to go, but I canceled out because one of the other Parents weren't going to be him, so they asked my supervisor if I could just come here instead of going there because the difference was the school I was going to, my normal school, that on that day they have a uh, they have a uh, what is it called? They have a teacher's assistant already. I just helped, but with um, the school that may have needed me. I, um, there was nobody because the para wasn't going to be there and they're doing testing. So anyway, I, the, I was approved to do that and I'm sure that was awful. I let the teacher assistant know though. I let her know that I wouldn't be there just to protect them. And, um, it's really hard on the ones that, <sighs> it's only one person that just really needs me there. Um, per se, because apparently she doesn't get anything. She doesn't listen, so they say, when I'm not there. But other than that, they're fine. So I'm sure that bothered her because she's always complaining, so I'll deal with that on Tuesday. <clears throat> I just think it's interesting um, how she she doesn't want to take the criticism or the information. She just wants you to do as she says. How dare you? Over here. How dare you um, speak against me, talk about me, tell me what to do, talk to me in your tone, because I, I do. I have a tone with her. So um, it, it's interesting. I had a moment. Um, I had to run to another school, and um, there's a child in foster care, uh, not black, not white. I think his primary language is Spanish. Um, I hate this with the system because it's hard on the children. They're basically thrown away when they're in the system like that. He's been in there over a year. I was sent there to work with him. Um, I'm the one that said the majority of his behavior is because he's in the system. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't have special needs and disabilities and all that, but as far as his behavior, a lot of it is because he's not at home, um, per se, foster care, however that is for a teenage male. He was sent, we get information that he's going to be moved um, to another foster home. Mind your school is out in a month. Um, he graduates from this high, just to go to middle school. 
I don't know the issues that kids have in these homes, and I'm sure it is being male. In particularly, I don't know how it's set up. So he said he wanted to leave the home, didn't want to be there, whatever it is. So the social worker, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? So the social worker says, the little boy, mind you, he's just a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's keeping in mind that he graduates in four weeks. So I get information on Tuesday. Okay, well, he's he's leaving to go to another place and leaving the school to in a few weeks. But he said this weekend, but I heard it was a few weeks. That's what the uh, person told me. So I said, oh, dear. So we were going to write stuff, you know, to send stuff, to you know, to go with them. Maybe things we like about them, maybe short videos, little cards or something, put it in a box, give it to them. <clears throat> By Wednesday after school, he was in, they, they took him to the new foster home. I get there yesterday, and <clears throat> I'm looking to, you know, do whatever, whatever I was going to do since he's leaving. Oh, no. Or attempt about to leave. It was, I, just, I just didn't think it was going to be this one. So... We go, um, we go in, and then we find out he's he's gone. He left that night or that um, afternoon. Nobody said anything, not a word. He didn't get a chance to do anything. So um, I I got a little agitated because I said, uh, "Well, hey, he graduated. He's gonna graduate. What do you mean?" Well, no, no. Like this, the social worker just said, "There's nothing he can do. He can't do anything now because he already put in the order." I said, no, the social worker knows school, the social worker knows when school's out. The social worker could have did that differently than that. The social worker could have said, okay, I can transfer you once you graduate versus doing this because right now he's just sitting at wherever in his home, no school, waiting for, I don't know, I'm sure they might send your certificate or whatever through the mail, but most children look for their, forward to their ceremony and all the excitement thereafter. So I said, <clears throat> is there a way, uh, how is he on a uh, transportation line? Is there a way if he's willing to get up? Is there a way something can happen to where he can go back and forth to school? Somebody pick him up from the BART, uh, take him, not me because I'm, but, you know, take him, A, because the BART is not, or do something, right? They said they would see. So um, I got an email saying that um, at inquiring on it, it was a large group email. So we'll see. But I'm just fussing about that because that bothered me, uh, the way the children are affected when the adults have issues. The joke is on the children. So he's been in a foster home. I know it's been over a year, and he's going from home to home. <laughs> And sorry about that. I'm dog sitting. And um, I'll mute my line. Thank you for taking my call. Man's best friend. That's what they say. Uh, much obliged, Bay Area mom. Uh, snitch. That is always such an interesting word. Um, snitch because generally or I'll frequently hear it used where it's black people are being accused of some sort of uh, incorrect conduct generally uh, concealing information about Negro criminals often black males uh, where black people have the no snitch culture that's generally how I'll uh, hear the term used but 
someone snitched on me like huh and the pivot I love it is hey is that true <laughs> like oh yeah I am yelling at the children <laughs> okay okay not we don't want to work on maybe having a better plan so that we can have more self-control and model better behavior for the children have less hostile conduct with them no I'm mad that someone snitched on me yes uh, and again yelling at these non-white children uh, black children other non-white children spectacular academic plan uh, now she's talking about this other little non-white child where she says apparently he's going to be moved uh, to a different residence or what have you he's in foster care social system throw away throw away children they have talked for two years basically uh, and saying wow so much of children's academic routine has been disrupted and all of the little things being able to go and see their classmates and do this and just everything and then when you graduate regardless whether it's you know you're graduating from kindergarten or you're graduating from middle school or graduating from high school like that's a big deal you want to be there and enjoy it with all your friends if your family's going to be in attendance and all the rest of it or whatever even if it's just you know your friends to be silly and oh we did it whatever else miss out on all of that and she said like that's you know not a big deal like one hey we could have waited right do this transition I mean it's May right I already said the academic school year is coming to an end quickly days we could have waited a few days right did we have to do this right now okay we got to do it right now whatever you know okay can we at least see about you know getting him so he can come to the ceremonies and feel like he got that you know closure and he can wrap things up with his classmates see his friends and teachers who had an impact I mean this is a child who's in foster care they already have a lot of disruption to routine and broken connections to family friends emotional bonds we can't tr- it, it, we'll, we'll see what we can do when you play around with sex the joke is on the offspring absolutely disgraceful now that's another one now dang does that sound like meritocracy the people who get these jobs and teaching our children our future oh these are folks who worked hard and are diligent and are training and trying to do their best in the classroom working with these young minds hmm I'm out here cutting side eyes at folks that I think snitched on me snitchy McRat <laughs> like dang what is going on uh, much obliged Bay Area mom uh, let's see number again 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. 
get one more email in before we uh, move forward. Let's see. The oh wait a minute, got confused. Oh, there we go. There we go. Next person who wrote in. Uh, please refer to me as correct intentions. I just wanted to bring it to your attention that blank child told me that during lunch another student made fun of his skin color and told him that black people are dumb. I am very sensitive to this especially since my father is Afro-Latino. Non-white. This is the message my second grade child's instructor who is a non-white male sent to me today. I talk frequently to my ch children about racism, white supremacy, and suffered no shock upon receiving this message. I responded, thank you for letting us know, and we'll talk with him about this incident tonight. I don't know if the perpetrator is a white or non-white child, but many of his class of his classes classmates are Eastern European Asian type. Either way, we know they are codified with anti-blackness. Interestingly, my wife and I have sent negative reports to the school this week regarding the instructor's lack of integrity and decorum. I'm not sure if his reaction to my child being insulted is genuine. Our plan is to address this incident with our child and get him assigned to a more reliable instructor next year. Much obliged, dear sir. Very important. Uh, speaking with your offspring regularly. Uh, so as he says, so that this sort of thing is not a shock, not a surprise. Uh, racist man, racist woman, racist child. Now he did say, hey, don't really know if this was perpetrator in terms of the child who said all this was a white child, non-white child could be either uh, but all of that to be talking about with your child in advance so they also are not surprised about this and stunned like oh yeah mom and dad have been talking about this since day one they have talked my ear off and eh, there it is okay I already know what to do I didn't wig out grab a chair and all the rest of it or start crying like I can't believe you said that oh I thought we were friends eh, this is what I was prepared for Incidentally, we've had parents who said, hey, like we should have, you know, uh, a code in place, uh, more details about, you know, what to say, how you want your child to respond, these type of uh, situations and all the rest of it just so that they can be prepared because it seems like there are lots and lots of these incidents. Uh, maybe the two years and all the stress on white children, they are really feeling the need to act out their white supremacy on non-white classmates, but really have to be on your job as an attempted parent most difficult job in the known universe or at least it's got to be very high on the list in terms of difficulty number again much obliged sir number again 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, so I guess if we have parents, they have thoughts because we were talking quite a bit about children in the workplace and, you know, what you want to prepare them for. 
uh, if they are working and or the school environment as well. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Can I be heard? Uh, Miss C, South Carolina on fire. Miss C and perhaps non-Clemson grad. Yes, ma'am. Hi, Gus. Hi, Cal's listeners. Um, thanks so much for receiving this call. Um, I have so many uh, workplace racism stories built up <laughs> over several months, but I'll share one that has recently, um, like, reached a climax. So I've been teaching um, line dancing class classes to um, elderly folks at this active living community. And when we first started in October, we were getting paid in advance. And so before we go, you know, we would invoice them, they would have to pay the invoice, and then we'd show up. That's our normal policy and procedure. However, um, after the first month, we went, you know, they liked us. They wanted to have us keep coming back November, December, January, da, da, da. Um, and so we had to go through this, this approval process to become a business vendor, um, an approved vendor for, for this, um, this property management company. Now, um, you know, you had to verify that your business, you know, provide like your EIN number and, um, and you also had to prove that you had business, uh, general liability insurance, um, as well as auto insurance, which I was kind of confused and, and a couple other things. So, uh, the, the approval process was very, very arduous. Um, and it, like every time I called the insurance company, um, which they're, they're reputable, um, companies like nationwide, you know, like Geico and Hiscox. Um, every time I called, like the, the representatives were very confused with what this property management company was requesting. And the property management company had a specific template that the insurance company had to complete. So everybody was confused and I was confused in trying to communicate this, uh, what I needed from the insurance companies. So eventually, um, I get on a three way, three way call with the property management company and each respective insurance company. And then, you know, after several attempts, several attempts to have them ask the insurance company to give them exactly what they needed, we finally got approved. So, you know, the workplace racism there is the approval process was just so tedious. And I felt like I wanted to become an approved vendor so badly. And I was so confused why it was difficult just to prove that we had the documentation and they wanted it a specific way. And I just felt like because they wanted a specific template completed, they were wasting my time, wasting my time. And non-Clemson grad, you know, he was over it. So, you know, I was kind of tasked with trying to figure it all out because again, I, I really wanted to shift from business to consumer, B to C 
to business to business, B to B, because it's more it's more consistent. Um, it looks better when you're trying to appeal for, um, you know, trying to attract different businesses to partner with you. And, you know, I just had different motivations. So <laughs> I was committed to see it through. So we finally got approved. Uh, I think maybe sometime in December or January. And then our insurance, um, our insurance documents expired in January. But instead of instead of just saying, "Hey, okay, we know that you your insurance policies expired and you likely renewed them," you know, just prove that you renewed them. I had to go through the same exact process all over again, and the insurance company and their representatives were just as confused as before. And the representatives with the property management company, um, they they could not communicate correctly um, what they were, were requesting from the insurance company. So that was one piece of the workplace racism, just wasting my time. I had to waste my time to get approved and then to, to um, get updated insurance documents. The second part is payment. So after you become an approved vendor, so our policy is if we're going off-site to teach dance anywhere, we have to be paid up front. And so because, because we were an approved vendor, now we have to play by their rules, which is once you're an approved vendor, you get paid 30 days after you teach a class at this active living community. So I'm like, okay, again, reputable business, you know, they're gonna pay on time. I just have to wait 30 days, blah, 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 blah. So this went into effect for the January classes. So I taught, I think two or three classes in January, and then I received payment for them um, sometime in February. They sent the payment, a check in the mail to our business mailbox. So I know that they had the correct address. Okay. So I'm waiting to receive payment for the February classes, and that was three classes. And I'm expecting to receive them by the end of March. And I follow up and say, hey, I checked our business mailbox. I have not received it. I have not received a check from y'all for payment. And it's, it's a couple hundred dollars, so, you know, that that's nice. That's nice to have in the business account. So then I follow up, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't realize you attached. I didn't realize you attached the February invoice back in February. You attached the January one and the February one. I was like, okay, just go ahead and send the payment. And they were like, oh, it's going to take 30 days to process through their accounting department. So, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, I'll wait. So I I keep going back and forth. They said they're going to expedite it. And mind you, where our business mailbox is and where this active living community is, it's the same exact road, the same exact road, same exact city, same zip code. It's literally down the street. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, you expedite the payment, I should get it within seven days. 
So I go back to the business mailbox. I don't receive anything. I follow up. They're like, oh, well, it's going to take some time because, you know, you contacted us at the end of March, so it could be 30 days. And I was like, okay, but we're going to expedite it, blah, 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 blah. So then I check, I check the middle, the middle of, let's see, yeah, middle of April. Still no check. And this, this is for February classes that I should have received in March. And then I check at the end of April. Still no checks. And, you know, I, I, all this time I'm documenting it via email. I don't do phone calls and all that kind of stuff. I just want it documented in writing. You know, hey, on this day, I checked the mailbox. On this day, I checked the mailbox. And I didn't have a check in there for payment for not only February is overdue, but also March. And then they tell me, well, um, you can't, you know, we can't do anything about it. You know, maybe there's delays with the U.S. Postal Service. We sent the check February, I'm sorry, April 5th, and you should be re, uh, receiving it soon. Mind you, April 5th was three weeks, three weeks prior. So they're, they're trying to blame the U.S. Postal Service for why I'm not receiving this check. And U.S. Postal, like, guarantees, you know, seven days max. It should be, like, three days, three days max, but, you know, give or take. I understand labor shortages and all that kind of stuff. So, Again, now we're we're close to like four hundred dollars, four hundred dollars worth of you know instruction. It's not like a, a little bit of money. It's it's a lot of it's a substantial amount and it's outstanding balance. And I'm really frustrated because I have to keep following up with them about this check. And they're like, okay, well you're gonna have to wait until May fifth, May fifth, <laughs> um, because we we can't cancel it. And I was like, well, until we get this rectified, I will not be teaching one of the classes that I agreed to teach in April. And then they were getting all flustered and they tried to threaten us. And I was like, well, you know, the agreement is, you know, you pay out every 30 days and we haven't received it. So until that gets rectified, you know, I'm not showing up. So I didn't end up showing up. They canceled the class which was fine by me. And then they threatened me by saying, well, if you cancel this class, you won't, you won't be able to be on the calendar in the future. And I'm already over the agreement. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the agreement because if you're responding this way, then you're likely going to do this again. So, you know, they cancel the class. Um, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'll just wait another week and a half until May 5th. I go there on May 5th, no check, still no check, still no check. So it's literally a month later, still no check. I write them to say, hey, you know, I haven't received the check. This is our final, this is our final uh, correspondence about, about payment. You know, um, non-Clemson grad is like, hey, we should just escalate this to the EEOC and um, take this to small claims court, blah, 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 and sue them for, you know, three times the amount and all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm like over it. And I'm just like, there's going to be the check. The check's going to show up on May 5th. And it's, it's not there. So um, 
they cancel the check. They cancel the check, and they say, we're going to issue, reissue you a check immediately, blah, 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 blah. And I just told them flat out, like, failure to pay is, for us, termination of the agreement. Like, I'm not, we are not coming back to teach for this company, for this business. So, you know, the fact, the workplace racism here was um, when we were, emailing back and forth, and I said, until we get this rectified, you know, we will not continue offering our services. And what we realized was, you know, they they try to threaten us and say, well, you know, you're going to jeopardize the opportunity to be able to teach here again. And we called it bluff. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, we want to give our residents enough time Um to, you know, switch up their schedule or whatever, which was fine by me. Um, But they could have very easily just canceled the check. You know, it's like three and a half weeks later, just canceled the check on their end and given us payment when I came to teach. But they didn't didn't want to do that or whatever. And I, I don't know why I would keep going back and forth with somebody about a missing check if the check wasn't actually missing. So that's that's the story. It was very frustrating. And I, I just, this further reinforces our policy and procedure, you know, for businesses, for consumers is, you know, you got to pay the artist up front. You, you have to pay for artistry in advance. Because what I realized is if you, if you allow people the option to pay you afterwards, you're going to be running around trying to chase them for money that they're never going to give you. And it's just to eliminate all the hassle um, and back and forth. And again, wasting of time, just get the money up front or don't, don't book us. And with that, I'll end the call. Thank you. Time and energy. Much obliged, Miss C. South Carolina. And by proxy, I guess, non-Clemson grad. Uh, Time and energy. We have talked about that basically the entire time that we've been on the air. Racists. So much of their system is about getting us to waste time and energy not doing things that are constructive uh, just wasting time and I mean from the very beginning you go through all that to fill out the paperwork okay I get this form get this form get this form get this form form, form. oh no she said it's got to be confused she said it even seemed like the people where you got to go and get all this done so that we can you know be officially licensed and all that they seem confused about the process. What do you have to do? What paperwork do you have to fill out and all the rest of it? Come on. Come on. If it's meritocracy, everybody who gets a job is competent. Now, I know we got labor shortages and all that. They said they've had to compromise a little bit. But I mean, really, don't we have competent training programs? She goes through all of that. Yes, we are official, certified, did all the paperwork. Uh-oh end of the year comes insurance expires now i know they had this for tons of jobs i know even for teaching yoga 
you have to get uh, for most, but not all, but for most places, it can be helpful if you are CPR certified. I did that too. Um, it expires, right? It's good, I think, for like two years, three years. Something doesn't last forever. Uh, for most places, that's not a whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to stop and go and do the whole reapply and all this paperwork. Time and energy again. It would just be, hey, just show us that you, you know, renewed your insurance and away we go. And I think unless my memory is bad, she said they were just as confused as before. Now, I mean, really? OJT, they call it. You didn't learn anything over the time since we did this the first time around. Nobody else has come and applied. Again, they don't have training. Jesus, Lord. So we get through all of that, which is not to be minimized. Time, and, and that is, cons- I've heard that from so many folks. And I mean, hey, we got entrepreneurs here. They are not working for the man. That becomes a big one because I've heard that from tons of folks. I'm not saying they don't do this for people if you, you know, are employed for somebody else. But man, if you are trying to be self-employed as a non-white person, especially classified as black, you can expect a whole lot of wasting of your time and energy. That is a big one. In fact, working out ways to make sure I am not wasting time and energy. We get to the finances. Now, she didn't even say that this was like a $20,000 bill. She didn't say that. Something that's going to break the bank. And, you know, man, we heard in Missy, you know, we we put something on it. She didn't say that. She said it's a couple hundred dollars. Great, you know, not that I'm sneezing at that. I'm just saying, like, this is not, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We got to go out and have a bake sale, make sure we can pay off. Not at all. I'm sure they have the money. <laughs> like, this is not a Kona, uh, the Rona, you know, put a hurting on us right now. And we, we just don't have, that's not what this is. This is very, I mean, like, painfully. You want to talk about being an entrepreneur no you do not get out of racism white supremacy it just becomes you have to deal with it in different ways this is a big one both the time and energy and then compens i mean this is wage theft really (laughs) like i gotta we gotta go through all this are you serious and she said this is not like you know we live on the other side of South Carolina and we got to dodge Dillon Storm roof and all the rest of it and hop over the dam and all this to the it's right down the road like what a day three days what do you mean check still never at minimum the canceled check should arrive she didn't even tell us that hey US Postal Service they've been slipping man Donald Trump was right these lames over here this this thing finally the canceled lame check finally came at the end of april coffee stains on it and them's coming in apologizing we've been down understaffed and the covid she didn't even say that i've had that and you want to talk about being self-employed freelance writer gus t i'm supposed to get my check in the mail no joke i saved the check the check got mailed 
out of the country. I forgot the name of the place that it went to. I'd never even heard of it before. Canceled check did arrive like a month later or something. I think it even have been two months, but it did eventually come. And with the stamp, bam, left the country. I didn't even have a passport at that point. All this tackiness. And as she said, threat. why are you threatening me? We've delivered services and haven't been compensated. You can see that. We're not fraudulent niggers, right? You sent me a check, you'd be uh, cashed. You'd be able to check with your bank, banking institution to see, oh, okay, they cashed the check right on there just trying to pull a fast one. We didn't get compensated. Why isn't it bending over backwards? Oh, we are so sorry. We're gonna, we appreciate you all, your services. We just, we love the dancing and it's great. Our residents love it. Hey, we're gonna get this taken care of today. Even if we can't get the check into your hands today, I'm gonna hop right on this. I mean, it's only a few hundred dollars. We'll get this knocked out immediately and make sure this never happens again. No, 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 threatening. Look at here, Missy, we're gonna cancel the class. Really? We didn't even get paid. We didn't even get the canceled check. document I love it she said not doing it by phone I have it by email I checked the mailbox on such and such a date no check where is the compensation this is what we agreed to you all have not met your agreement I t- even though I t- like a billion percent I get it like all of this all of this <laughs> and now we gotta go to court it oh that said I'm totally hey you got the documentation you can print out those emails and what have you the contract that you all went through and three times what the bill is and for all the time and energy like we all these emails and everything else and we we didn't even get a canceled check like man the evidence would suggest that they probably lied about even sending the check in the first place tell me in South Carolina they would have behaved like this if you all had been white Come on. Strom Thurmond rolling over in his grave. Much obliged, uh, Missy, non-Clemson grad. Uh, context of white supremacy. Other folks who uh, we have missed completely. Uh, if you have a hand up, proceed. Uh, can I have you heard? The, no. Two in a row. Virginia... 2019 Cows Yoga Retreat. Uh, What's well, three in a row, really? Non Clemson grad, Miss C, the Black African. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I saw that report. Uh, what was the the, the title? The, the the bomb manufacturing. I can't remember what the what the title, but I did see the report and I, and I was listening to the video and um, um, the first thing that hit me was the commute that the gentleman had to take. I think they said it was like I think it was over two hours. <clears throat> um, but it was something ridiculous and I was like whoa, this is um, and um, uh, and then I thought about PPE. So I've worked in those types of environments or like um, where there's a lot of hazardous materials um, and sometimes the buildings are hazardous too. Um, they have like, some of them would have like some of the, like the more well-known, like the um, asbestos 
where they would be doing like uh, soldering or there's yeah. And, but PPE, um, the white people at such environments, they pretend like they care about safety. Um, and so there are huge trainings and huge um, activities around so-called safety, especially workplace safety. And PPE is one of these. And so PPE um, is actually a last resort because I was listening to the report and they were harping on how these people were not provided PPE. And so I, I, I thought I would, because I work in such environments that I would just create a little bit of context for folks that the PPE is like the last resort. Um, mostly like they start off by saying that um, these like a workplace should attempt not to have any hazardous materials. So attempt to not have any hazardous materials. Then if you do have hazardous materials, um, attempt to, for them not to come into contact with people somehow, and then use like sort of, I want to say like barriers um, to the equipment, and then it's PPE. So it's like it's like four or five levels down, and then you use PPE. Um, uh, what else did I get from that report? Um, I currently work in a, oh. Um, so an older, a former employer of mine, I used to walk around this, it's a very large manufacturing facility. And I, I noticed that there was an area where the, it was mostly like the people were all males, um, white males and black males. Uh, not, I don't think I remember any like non, non-white other type of, it was like white males black males and there was a specific area where I kept on seeing black males and so I was I, I I like to take walks when I'm when I'm at work so one day I was just like okay I'll just talk to these people um I, I wasn't I, I didn't work on the manufacturing floor um but um so I passed by them and I I asked some black male there was two black males um, so they were just talking. They weren't actually walked, working. So I asked them, I said, okay, um, I just said, oh, hey, like, hello. I said, I noticed that it seems like there's that area. And in that area, they, they were doing something different from what was happening in this area. And so when I asked, I thought I was just asking, just really, I was just like, I, I noticed that that there's separate areas. Do you, do, I would even say the word black. And like, it was like an older black male and a younger black male. And the older black male, he was sort of, he was friendly. He, he talked. But the black male, he became very um, apprehensive. I, I don't know if that's the correct word. But he kind of looked at me like, I think I know what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> But I wasn't really trying to start. I was really just trying to find out, like, I even think I asked him if there was like a, there was like more training. Like if there was like something, because is there like, but then they said no, but I thought it was weird that, that this area that was just like black males. And uh, they're like, no. And then I swear, like maybe like a week later, the younger black male, I see him in the white area working and he looks at me and he's smiling. And and I sort of like smile. So, But I'm thinking that he's, I don't know if because I asked, he's been allowed to. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened, but 
like a week later, I don't know if like the white people around there saw me talking to them and asked them, but yeah, I don't know if, and I noticed in my current work, um, a lot of this, I've noticed like a lot of non-white people working use required. And cause I just started to see, and a lot of them are non-white, sorry, black, non-FBA, sort of like non-Black American, uh, but they're Black, um, sort of uh, so-called, mostly, I think they're so-called Africans and so-called Caribbeans. Um, and in fact, to the point where they did a video, I guess it's like for HR purposes, and they showed the video, like it was in one of the, the, the company emails, where they were sort of displaying all the scientific things and, you know, what a great place this is to work. And the headline person that was featured mostly in the video was a black nun. I don't know if she was, I think she was so-called African. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that it, it might be that black people in such environments are put into um areas where PPE is required and but PPE is the last should be the last resort. It it actually shouldn't be used. Like if there's <laughs> if you have to use PPE, then it it, it it translates into that 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 shouldn't be done. Like whatever's happening there shouldn't be done. Um uh, so I don't I think this is workplace racism. But um I guess I wasn't on Twitter. I think I joined Twitter because of um, when you, when the, there was that white guest from South Africa that came on the cows and you, there was like some pictures or something like that that displayed Afrikaans and you said they're on Twitter. So I went on Twitter to see these pictures. So I hadn't been on Twitter, but I, 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 I once I was on Twitter, I realized that there's, I, I kind of understood what you were talking about, about all the, the sort of name calling. And I saw like when I was on Twitter, I saw that you were talking about the name calling and all of this stuff, but I didn't know that there was a lot of anti. How can I put it? Um, the immigration stuff, um, and I think I'm not gonna. I'm not saying this. Hopefully, this isn't anti-black, but I think that if every when I talk to people like uh, non-white people from other parts of the world, all of them complain about immigration to their part of the world. Like, um, like any, like I've talked to Samoans, I've talked to Fijians, um, but I think the place that's, I, I don't want to say it's on par, but I think it might be on par is South Africa in terms of the immigration or the, um, racial dislocation issue. And just to give an example, I think that um, if I, I think I have like, let's just say 10 female cousins in South Africa right now. And I want to say six of them are married to or have children, non black males, but that are not South African. And I say that to say, to sort of give a story about, I, I think it's workplace racism about one of them who had a child with a black male from Congo. And so the black male from Congo 
um, he, I guess he came to South Africa to look for work. And so they have children, two children. And so I, I, I believe they had a business. Uh, the business didn't go well. Um, <clears throat> my cousin during COVID, I don't know if she passed away from COVID or something else. She ends up passing away. So this Congolese man, he's in South Africa with the two children. So he can't find work because he doesn't really, he doesn't have papers. Um, so he leaves um, South Africa to go and look for work. Apparently there was advertisements of work in Mozambique, like Northern Mozambique. And I don't know if people read newspapers, but there's like currently like a war there or it's being put in some of the South African newspapers that there's a, um, a war against terrorism. But I think that like white people are trying, there's something there. Um, like a decade ago, it's a lot of farmland. I don't know if they found some sort of like minerals or something like that, but the Congolese man, he ends up going to Mozambique for work with the offspring. And while he's there, I guess the, the war, it, um, expands into the area that he's at and then he ends up being taken um, out of there to a refugee camp in Botswana. So um, so now he's at a refugee camp with the two um, offspring and like my parents, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to get there. It's um, uh, They don't know about his paper situation. So I don't know if that I don't know if that gives pers- but like there's I think your show does a great job in talking about the planet as a whole in terms of issues but I think if people should I don't want to say I'm I'm not saying that there's I mean there's a huge immigration issue here but I think it's like planet wide and I think um your show does a great job of attempting to sort of show that it's not just here, but it's planet wide. Um, yeah, and that's all I had to share. Thanks. Hmm. Well. Yeah, I would. I would say that that definitely qualifies for workplace racism. Like, wow. I am. Uh, man, I don't even know what the the correct response to that is. Jesus, uh, that is that is definitely. I can, just to say that again. That is definitely workplace racism jesus uh and the usual suspects for all of that i don't have my papers can't get a job i guess that shout to ralph ellison invisible man um i've heard that so many times but all of that racial dislocation and i gotta go from the congo to south africa to here and all of that dark people all over the world that being their plight the usual suspects are to blame. But wow, that is. Man, I'm speechless. Like, uh. Jesus. Blackmail privilege? Oh, my God. Um. Hmm. I guess I could confidently answer the question no, we do not read the newspapers. So hopefully that's at least one thing. Global Sunday Talk is next weekend. Uh, hopefully to emphasize that this is not just here, that this is worldwide in terms of the problem of 
white supremacy racism wow um geez yeah that's uh i guess that was staggering in terms of what's happening with uh your cousin and this the co- white people made the area known as the congo unless i am mistaken king leopold belgium shout to patrice lumumba and it's like we don't like folks from the con- i've been seeing they've had so many reports talking about that in south africa that they are upset about different dark black people coming to their area i'm blaming that on white people too to have all of this we are disgruntled about people coming into this area who were not born here hmm transgressing lines make sure i say it clearly transgressing lines and failing to have paper written by white people the lines and the paperwork generally not that I'm disrespecting citizenship and sovereignty and blah 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 but my view VGQ Um, the first portion with regards to the PPE I'm so glad that you shared that I have not well let me take that back I'm sure I've worked in some environments with asbestos but I've not worked with environments where they have like hazardous waste or something like that where whoa we got to take this really seriously and we might have to have areas that are marked off and that sort of thing i've not worked in that so i had no idea that ppe is supposed to be last resort that's not what they said the savannah river site i'm so glad we read se may like oh i give a soft brat who picked that book why are we re- oh that was gus yes yes anyway they weren't even giving the black employees PP. In fact, they were lying to them and sending them into areas deliberately without PPE. So, I mean, yet to put that in total context that, hey, PPE is supposed to be last resort. We're not even going to tell you and or give you that. Have fun, niggers. Now, he said even in his work environment like looking back it's just like dang why are all the black people clustered over here huh i wonder why that is and just same thing that we recommend asking questions and he said that it got the non-white person got nervous which i shouldn't be laughing because i mean that's terrorism that's the result non-white people a lot of times we do get in trouble for asking questions sometimes you get in trouble you don't even have to ask questions so i could totally understand causing trouble what's going on what are you doing i see what you like that i get it totally and then even the response he said he came in later on and whoa dad they got a black person working like what was that because i came over asking questions probably and even in that segment i don't even think i played the whole thing the sec i think it was in the segment that we didn't hear today but i did play the entire segment yesterday for the book club they said at the savannah uh river site they said not only would they send the black employees into the toxic contaminated areas so they could be you know get all the radiation poison and not tell them they said oh if you know one or two black people if they saw us together talking hey what are you doing what's going on here what what like they're plotting some sort of rebellion 
or what have you. Stonehill Rebellion in South Carolina. Uh, like, I have heard that over and over and over. So, yes, one non-white person, he didn't even say I came in and other talking, trying to get a gang together, just asking the questions. Hey, what's going on? Is this a training thing? Like, what? what? And then, whammo. Yes, white people are not ignorant about racism and they are very alert. Like, Whoa, this nigger is asking questions. And, mm, see if we can cause some confusion. Yes, yes. Get a black person or the racial showcasing. Yes, yes. We have black person. Yes. Meritocracy. Yes. Uh, he said. Noticing that as a pattern. That's why I said that your safety he said seeing a pattern of having black people working in these unsafe conditions working in areas where you would need PPE which it like I, I didn't even know that's supposed to be last resort how interesting the NFL 15.6% of the coaches Negro hmm toxic work site oh we get 100% no problem there we don't need no Rooney rule nothing <laughs> come on in we get and he said hey looks like they might be black people they weren't even born here now I don't know you know does that mean something it would be better if they had black people that were born in Georgia I don't know for some folks or what my view consistently has been niggers is niggers like whatever <laughs> if they were born in Haiti California Canada Nigeria Congo you pick a place. Negras is negras. I'm not going in there to clean up the hazardous waste site. You put the negras in there. And apparently, it seems like, unless my memory, maybe I wasn't paying attention, I thought he said it was, they had a lot of negras cleaning up this toxic dump who were from the Caribbean. I thought that's what he said. But the, the training video, he said they went and got a black person from the continent. Like, what? <laughs> the only way I can make sense of that Negras is negras. Like, hey, okay, we got the. They're from Jamaica and Bahamas, and we. Have, okay, we'll get the training video. You're from Liberia. Close enough. That seems like negras is negras to me, but I could be wrong. I know many folks are, you know, mad about the immigration and all the rest of it. Victims guaranteed qualified. That is real rife on social media. They blocked me on Twitter. You can go on Twitter and grouse and complain and name call all the black people you want and coon this and keep those coons out of here and ADOS and all the rest of it. I posted about albino squirrels and they <laughs> blocked on Twitter. System of white supremacy racism. Um, that man, wow. Global Sunday talk will be next weekend. Uh, I try to ask them to bring up what's happening in the workplace with them as well because I think that's important but I mean wow that is staggering um, to put it mildly and I mean that's I've never stepped foot on the continent but I mean wow the Congo is not close to South Africa like wow do you have to go all the way there and then you can't get a job and end up being in some refugee camp in Mozambique like what with two offspring <sighs> problem is global and needs to be replaced immediately my suspicion is there are probably a good number of black people who were born 
in South Africa, and they also are struggling to get a job. We just had that. That's why I played the report about the flood this past. That was two weeks ago. They have a historic flood in South Africa. They said they had black. Well, they didn't even say black people. They played that whole disgraceful report and didn't even say racism. They said vestiges of apartheid where you got all these dark people who are piled up in areas that are now prone to historic floods that are probably going to get worse. Global system. Need to solve this problem ASAP. Much obliged, the black African. Yes, read uh, local, national, global. Very important. I guess you can read the paper, but nobody reads the paper anymore. So, you know, I don't know. Check online. uh, Watch the news. Listen to the news. They have audio reports aplenty. Uh, Global Sunday talk. Tune in. But yes, very important to study racism, white supremacy as a global problem. Uh, much obliged, the black African. Uh, I'm still befuddled. It feels retarded to just to say at minimum uh, sending our best to your family. But I mean, wow, that is I cannot I would be losing my brain. That's I said that consistently. That is the toughest job in the known universe. Being an attempted parent. Man. Uh, other folks who dialed in if you have commentary to share let me give out the number again 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, let's see, folks that we have missed totally. Uh, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Greetings, everyone. Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes. Uh, speaking of that hard, uh, almost impossible uh, job as an attempted parent. Uh, my offspring uh, is uh, in the process of becoming fully employed. <laughs> uh, but uh, my my uh, report today is uh, an update on the uh, saga of the police department of Broward Sheriff's Office. Uh, we all know that uh, Mr. Tony, Gregory Tony, black male, victim of racist white supremacy, and Kyle Bell, uh, has been in in that office now for, uh, now it's going on probably about a couple of years now. Uh, don't seem to have any serious trouble uh, because of the infrequency of interviews other than reporting on police uh, direct law law enforcement direct uh, issues. But the person that he replaced who was fired, white male, (laughs) uh, Scott Israel, uh, he uh, 
had been a, he is in the process, I believe, of suing uh, Broward County, but uh, he just obtained a new job. <laughs> he is the police chief of the city of Opalaka. Uh, now, some of the uh, cows uh, participants may not know uh, what where where Opalaka is located at. But I'm pretty sure, Gus, that you remember uh, the uh, the uh, professor, the FIU professor that wrote the, that uh, had the book that came on the program, spoke about Opalaka and the history behind Op- Opalaka. Very small town. It probably makes up about, I would say, probably uh, three-quarters three of, of – uh, Miami Gardens is very small town, very small town. Uh, and he is the, he has just been uh, appointed as the police chief. And what comes to my mind, the reason why I, I you know, uh, I'm reporting because what comes to my mind that he, he, in his mind as a white male, he's they treated me like a nigger <laughs> by, by him being uh, a police chief in this little small town that, I would say probably 80% of the residents are non-white people. Uh, you know, and uh, the town has a history of the elected officials of corruption, uh, including with the police force, uh, the law enforcement uh, 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 profession in Opelika also. Uh, it's, it, it is thoroughly corrupted, uh, has been for a very long time. And so uh, just giving an update on that, I thought that was quite interesting that uh, he, uh, the only job that he can get was uh, the police chief of uh, Opalaka, which is the a little small town that's just south of, of uh, Miami Gardens. And uh, that's my report today. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Wow, <laughs> that is that is amazing to have that. That's another one where they areas where they pool black people, allow them to stay or warehouse them or what have you, and then. What happens in those areas? Are they sparkling, well taken care of, great budget to make sure everything is is sparkling and all that or no? And he said, and then even who gets these jobs? Do we get black people who get to come and have the post office jobs here and work at the fire department and police department and all the rest of it or no? Because that does happen, too, sometimes where sometimes they allow the black people to get those jobs and then sometimes they don't. This one he even right. says a cowbell on it, like, ee, like uh, ee. they could even make that yeah. difficult sometimes too. Like, yikes! Like that'll end up being a source of stress. Talk about wasting time, but we have to talk about that the whole time. Since, oh my God, his wife's gonna come out and, whew, my goodness, uh, be more informed uh, about one racism. One thing I forgot to to mention uh, was uh, Mr. Israel. His firing was basically due due to 
the uh, mass shooting, two mass shootings that uh, that was under his watch as the police chief in Broward County. Uh, the one that was at the airport, the one that was at the airport uh, in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale Airport, uh, and also the more the more popular one, uh, uh, the more heinous one, which is was the, uh, the shooting at the school, at the high school. He was a police chief. Uh, he was a police chief uh, while both of those incidents took place under his watch, and that's why he got fired. So, <laughs> I guess I guess that was the best that he was going to get uh, at a little small town uh, where a whole lot of black people stay at. <laughs> but uh, yeah. That's it. Could be a lot more of that because there's been lots of grousing about uh, gun violence, uh, particularly over the last two years that's escalated. You can see a whole lot more of that where uh, black people, if they are so-called in charge uh, of a police department or mayor, Eric Adams, uh, where they might be blamed for this. And hey, we got all these shootings. Somebody's got to be blamed. It'll be you. Yeah, I could easily see that happening. You know, widespread. Mayor Adams, beware. Uh, let me nab one email. Then we'll nip, get some of the other folks we've dialed in. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. We'll have to hear the updates with his offspring as well. Uh, one person wrote in, black female victim of racism. She says, uh, greetings, Gus. I listen to the cows on the archives, as do most folks and have written in at least twice. I wanted to comment on the discussion from workplace racism last week regarding workplace attire. I started my job about a year ago and I took your suggestion about having five pairs of the same pants and shirts. I bought five pair of pants, but in five different neutral colors. She didn't say she got the, uh, what is it? The hot pink uh, and the summer First yellow she didn't get that uh, I have a dozen polo shirts that I rotate with the pants this has worked out beautifully for me in the workplace I do not get pulled into the idle office chit chat about fashion and the such as a black female I also thought about wearing my hair the same way every day I usually wear it low maintenance in a ponytail bun or single braid I have locks to my mid back so I wear the style two or three days before I change it up I occasionally wear a headband but no lock jewelry or other accessories I think that is great I think um Bay Area mom last week now she didn't even say she had locks I think she said uh, she had pen uh, pen curls specifically uh, and she said that some uh, lame race soldier came and like grabbed some like action figure or what have you it was like oh look he's hanging on for dear life <laughs> that sort of like eh. they love that to come this is not like office decoration or anything else no decor no accessories for the hair uh, she continues. Uh, I also I have been a vegan for over a year. Thanks to your strong encouragement for a healthier diet and lifestyle. I was uh, a vegetarian for 34 years. 
Uh, thanks for your dedication and tireless effort. Gus T was super fatigued today. Like, man, I was trying to angle for nap time before the program, but it did not work out. Uh, much of <laughs> changing the diet. I will even say we did not have neutralizing workplace racism as a like specific program at the time. Uh, we like years back. We had the compensatory call in and we would take like the last 30 minutes and then that would be exclusively about the workplace. During that segment, uh, Mr. Demery Ford, investor, longtime listener, he said, and he said, I got a government job, right? DMV area. They had some sort of physical requirement. Like you have to go see a physician. I think it's a company physician. You can't just pick anybody or go to your own doctor. You have to go see their doctor and they just do like a checkup, blood pressure, that sort of thing. Check your weight and all of that. Uh, And he said, I think this is like 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. He said that he went, I don't know if this is like an annual thing every two years, whatever it is, but it was his time to go. And he said that some white employee person came and like got him all riled up with some kind of accusation and did you steal those paper clips we know you did we know you you got raping tendencies too we know you did and all this and so you know he's having to go back and forth and then he has to go in and do his blood pressure and all the rest of it and I was like man I just read where they were saying that you know some people were alleging that this was one component of racism where if you have a job you're a black person and you you know have to take these physicals or what have you and then they said, oh, my God, your blood pressure is sky high or, you know, your weight isn't right. Or I don't know if we can give you your physical accreditation. Like, oh, no, you might not. And then you end up losing that job. Uh, that is one way. One reason right there. Invest in your health. Eating well, drinking water. You don't do all those crazy sodas and Tahitian treat and root beer and all that nonsense and potato chips and fast food and french fries and grease and ice cream and ben and jerry's and eh, lots and lots and lots fresh fruits vegetables whole grains that's what you're eating on a regular basis. and water lots summertime is coming up in fact both the ways both ways summertime is coming up that means you can be at the farmer's market you can get local fresh produce and plenty of it and lots of water so you can stay hydrated but that's one thing that you can do right there if you do have some sort of physical requirement for your job that might be firefighters and that sort of thing hey i eat really well i am not eating donuts and cheese and nonsense none of us is getting any younger maybe you can get away with eating some of that craziness when you're a teen in your 20s they (laughs) talking about james harden saying man Maybe you can get away with being goofy and partying and drinking and staying out, staying out all night in your 20s, but none of us is getting any younger. Bravo for being a little bit better. Making improvements as we learn better, we do better with our diet. That right there works against white supremacy racism in my view, especially if you're doing produce green leafy vegetables get that bok choy in cabbage kale collard gra- oh ate so many collard greens this week anyway uh let's see anything else? i love it i love it i had been saying that for years about the wardrobe for males and females i have the same slacks just get that she said you can get six seven pairs of the same slacks 
whatever it is. She said she has her uh, blazers, polo shirts, whatever it is. You're professional. You're neat. You're clean. And it's, hey, I am not. This is not my Instagram shoot. I'm not thinking that I'm going out on the red carpet every day when I go to work. I'm going to be professional. And as we said already, this is sending a message. What am I here for? I'm not wasting time. Oh, my goodness. Where did you get those pearls? And blah, blah, blah. and we're in a system of white supremacy. Even if you have the greatest fear, you've been taking care. I don't eat Cheetos and nonsense. I've been eating squash and watermelon, eggplant, Brussels sprouts, all that pecans, taking care of myself. Great. You look fabulous. Hourglass figure and all of that healthy trim. Going to be killing it for the summertime. You are not. It's not. Let me get my uh, spaghetti strap top and go show off. Boy, they see these shoulders. And That's not the message that we want to send in a system of white supremacy racism. Even if you work with exclusively non-white people. Love it. And no accessories for the hair either. Neat, professional, but sending a message. Got lots of J. Strom Thurmond's in the work environment. And Mary Kay Letourneau's. Get the white woman in there too. Uh, Other folks that we have missed totally. If you have a hand up, proceed. Hello. Aforementioned, our caller in Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Hello, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Hopefully everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, Today was my last day at um, where I work for the season. Technically, the last day is next Friday, but they give you a week to kind of get all the stuff together to send back the equipment and all that and if they change your mind, if they change their mind and they need you, that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a pretty good job, you know, I like it and all. But I think I might have talked about this last week. But I don't know, it was like what I call random audits. Like I'm helping a person and one of these and a the manager comes in and just kinda comes and take over, whatever. So this has happened. These have been what we call full-time managers because they're there all, all year long, white lady, white women, whatever, white ladies, white women. So it happened before. I asked about it. I was like, I don't know what's up with these random audits. I don't know what's going on. They were like, well, maybe. I said, no, this person is not the direct um, manager of this agent. They're not my direct manager. This is a simple question. I didn't need your help. I don't know what this is about. So it happened again. And like I said, I'm I finished at 8 Eastern. This might have happened like 6 something, almost 7 o'clock. So I'm helping an agent who's black. So I don't know. Like I, I can't say if it is racism or not, but it was, it was pretty weird. Um, an issue that pretty straightforward. Even though it's my first year this job, this is like first year stuff. Pull the file, check, get a solution. This is not, this is pretty routine and basic, you know, what you do. 
So just imagine who, I don't know, she doesn't, I don't, like, I don't know what she was there for. She was like, so she, well, she called DM me because you can send somebody, like, a private message. She was like, well, I think it's such and such. I'm like, um, no, it's this and that. I got, like, you know, I looked it up. So I'm like, yay, pass the random audit. So I don't know if this, I don't, I don't know what this is. So, again, when I go back, I'm going to have to be mindful of these random audits because the goal is to kind of keep us in the same area, same group working together. That's kind of the goal. Our team in general work pretty good together, so that's kind of the goal. Um, so that's really much it. I'm, like I said, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm I'm suspicious because she's done this to me before, and when she was helping that agent, I couldn't find out that age. She was like, well, he's slow and blah, blah, blah. This is also another black person, so I don't... And then there was an instance where she got involved with another lead, and that was a black person. So she is totally suspect to me. Um, But that's just her. Otherwise, you know, everything was okay so far so okay or whatever you know it's still a job so you're always mindful but you know so far so okay and then one of my co-workers which is this is I guess tangent she is white and she didn't say her husband was black she said he was from the Bahamas I'm like well not black people down there um and today was the last day so we were kind of not didn't have very much to do so somebody was looking up People's um, oh, I'm gonna look you up and blah blah blah. Her thinking about getting married was out there, and I didn't think nothing of it. So she said, talked about her child and how her child had really curly hair and her shoulders, but when you straighten it, it's down to her hip. I'm like, that's black people here. <laughs> I know, I know shrinkage when I when I hear it. I I know, and so but what she said was. Something happened at the school where her child wasn't wearing the same clothes that she sent her in. And I, again, thinking, oh, no, black child alert, black child alert. And she's like, oh, no, this happens, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, no. So, but I was calm. Like I said, it was the last day. Let me just walk on out, you know, sign on out and do what I have to do. So, of course, I was concerned about that because I did see, I'm sure you'll probably bring it up tomorrow that there was some child only a, a year old and they pulled the braids or the dress whatever from their head. I'm like, are you serious? But yes, they are. But that's a whole nother issue. And that's all I have today. Hmm. Much obliged caller in Georgia. I guess congratulations on your passing your stressful audit random uh, and stressful audit, being competent at what you do. No surprise there. Uh, but I just say uh, trust your instincts, and I, I, not just to you, any of the other folks who are listening in, victims of racism, like those type of situations. You know, particularly, caller in Georgia, she's called in before. She's told us about getting raises and what have you, where they said, oh, man, she's doing such a great job and getting her a new, you know, monitor and all this stuff. Great performance evaluation. So, I mean, brilliant, competent employee. You know what's going on in the workplace. You know when it's, man, what? Why does this keep happening? 
these random artists like that? Is this happening with other folks like this? Anytime where you get a sense that something is just, this seems peculiar. Why is this happening? This seems really odd. And it, especially it's disruptive. It's not something that's helpful. And this is advancing your career. Something that is disruptive, disruptive, random, chaotic. Oh, yeah. Trust your instincts. You are seeing, observing what you think it is. Especially if she even said, like, dang, I'm helping a black person. Unless I didn't hear that correctly. I'm helping out a black person here on the call. And that, that audit, audit, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hmm. How interesting. Uh, all of that, we talked about that before. You work with another white person. Really, I'd say this for anybody, but I mean, you work with somebody classified as white, male or female. Man, that is the I mean, I said hot pink before like flaming hot pink red flag. Uh, They come child. I want to talk about my husband and he's, you know, Bahamian and all the rest of it. Child's hair, curly hair and and, and danger like super. I'd even be thinking like, why is she telling me this? Because it's like, as she said, like, hmm, your husband's from Bahamas or was born in the Bahamas. Hmm. A lot of black people there. Hmm. Why are you telling this to me? She could have just went into her little spiel about, you know, husband did this and we hung out here for the weekend and we went to Red Lobster. How about those cheddar biscuits? Bye bye. Okay, I wouldn't want to hear that either, but you know, okay. Why are you telling me? Oh, yeah, my husband's from the Bahamas and rah, rah, rah. didn't we talk about the Caribbean before and Negros is Negros? I swear we just said that. Um, that's you know, one. Not to, excuse me, not to just quote unquote defend her, but she was talking to everybody. But I just thought it was weird because a lot of the people who have children, like I've seen their children, they have pictures of the grandchildren and all of that. Whether it's a black, like a black coworker, her child went to the prom. She showed us pictures of her black child at the prom, you know, getting ready for the prom. The white people, I've seen their kids. But I didn't, you know, she talked about a kid, but, you know, most people, even when they're little, they think they're cute. They like to show off their kids. So I thought it was weird that she wasn't showing off her kids. That's what I thought was weird. And then when she said, when she described the child with the hair, I was like, Mm. So I just found out all this today on the last day because usually I don't work with her during the year because she worked early in the day and I worked in the evening but you know last two weeks we worked together you think she would have showed a picture of her curly haired child if uh, or you think she would have showed a picture of her child if he was white mm-hmm. hmm. interesting 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 Hmm. That's still one in my thankfully I forgot this is Zoom. I'm still retarded, greatly retarded. She said this is uh this was not like a them talking thing. This is a group. Oh yeah, blah 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 and all that. Even with that, most of us, or at least know a lot of non white people, they would do the math like, Oh, she's got oh man, she's got a black she's swirling, oh right on, Susan is so cool, but 
dangerous white woman. Now, that extra component at the end where she said uh, this curly-haired child went to school and didn't have the same clothes on, like, eeps, throw away, (laughs) play around with sex. The joke is on the offspring. Lots of different ways. They just had the uh, Boy Scout settlement this week. All of the children that got raped and abused over decades. Might even been longer than that. Boy Scouts have been around for a long time. Uh, not as long as racism, white supremacy, but a long time. And I said, hey, you want some throwaway children. Negras is negras. White people have a long hit. Jay Strom Thurman. White people have a long history of abusing non-white children. So, I mean, that would be Jesus Lord. What? child didn't have the same clothes on that I sent for the school with what extra and again I wouldn't want to hear this I, maybe it would be different if I had black employees and we had a rapport right that would be oh okay yeah hear about that that's important my goodness what did you do you go oh okay look at they're saying wow these school Jerry Sandusky can't be too safe great I don't want to hear that from a white employee now she said this is on zoom she's talking to a group thing like okay let's get back to business Time and energy. I am not here to hear about your family, your child care problems. None of that. Time and energy. Let's ride. And again, a lot of non-white people would hear that. And, wow. That is a Claudia Rankin said. That's how we solve racism to have more white women having babies with, you know, black guys from the Bahamas, and Caribbean, the Congo, all the rest. much obliged i'm glad she was codified and just that's one of the best things that you can do when all that is happening if it's on zoom much easier you can just listen and take notes if it's in person i would just conduct myself and i'm not rude but i'm not going to be the sounding board for her to come if she wants to make a coffee break and beeline to my desk or work area and tell me all the gossip about what happened to her child today like eh. much obliged uh color in georgia uh let's see i'll read one quickly and then we'll hear other folks who dialed in uh let's see email that i missed emails that i missed let's see next one uh victim male victim he writes in uh greetings gus i had i called in friday and i told you and the listeners that i had a job interview at the school district close to my house well they called me this morning and made me a job offer they also said that they will start me off at 20, 2480, their top step while I'm currently making 22 even. Nice raise. Now, bear in mind that all these race soldiers from all the different school districts know each other. I know that if I leave, I will be at their mercy and three months down the line, I will be out of a job due to unjust networking. The race soldier that called me was making everything sound so good, but thanks to the cows, this victim knows better and does not fall for the fake white validation. In order for me to leave and feel comfortable, I will have to go to another county where no one knows of me or the race soldiers at my job. White supremacy racism controls every aspect of our lives and it's an impediment to black people all over the world because it hinders one from reaching their full potential absolutely i hope a day will come when they will criminalize this type of unjust networking on the job and actually give race soldiers some serious jail time 
because there is something very evil and incorrect in regards to this behavior. I will stay at my current job for now. Thanks, Gus. I think that's important about the unjust networking aspect. Um, we talked about this before. Like we, I think we talked about this last week with the female caller. You leave that job. You might be going to their relative, brother, cousin, uncle, sister to get another job and the unjust networking like, oh, man, they can really do it to you. So that's why I always try to recommend be professional when you leave a job and not having vendettas and that type of a thing. I think with uh, what he's saying, I think here. My recommendation, if you think there might be a chance of them, folks that you currently work with trying to sabotage or cause you problems as you relocate to a better job. If you're in a school situation, best is to work until the end of the academic year. That's why I talked about leaving professionally. Hey, that should, in my view, at least that greatly minimizes the likelihood of some sort of vendetta. You don't storm off the campus and I'm never teaching here again. You know, <laughs> throw your uh, tablet down as you storm off, uh, but work out the school year. And then when things start up in the fall, then if you relocate to a new county or whatever it is, because I think lots of people, teacher, te uh, people, teachers, administrators, even custodial staff uh, switch things up going into the new academic year. I don't think that stands out as much. And, you know, he was professional. He didn't leave us in the lurch and, you know, cut out on us in January or February, what have you worked all the way out. We finished out the school year and plus they'll have summer vacation like they can be distracted by other things over the summer. You didn't leave in a huff and what have you. That's my recommendation. Uh, be professional uh, and leave at the end of the academic year to minimize the potential blowback. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in that we have missed totally. Uh, if you have commentary, proceed. Yeah, you heard. Our caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to begin with some additions that was in the New York courthouse where they have a black male judge, uh, a painted portrait in the lobby. Um, I received a picture from my mom that they are adding. They added two white people. Uh, they added two white judges from the uh, same circuit. And then the next day they added three white judges. And it was alongside a flyer talking about law day on May the 1st. So they had this event. Um, at the local library where it was talking about this slogan, a more perfect union. And that sounded suspicious to me uh, because the chief judge, he, I guess, sponsored for this event talking about law day. And, and it was about, from what I read up on the local news, uh, the constitution and how it's defined and how it can be refined in quotes. So now what's interesting about that to lead on to my next one is number two, I was walking to uh, my vehicle. I think it was like on Monday or Tuesday and it was a bunch of protesters in front of the courthouse after the Supreme court 
um, document leak. So it was people driving by in the streets, um, honking, I guess, in support of the abortion Roe v. Wade thing. So it was a lot of these people walking down the sidewalk, um, these pink protester signs, um, you know, some saying pro-life and, uh, it was others saying, you know, my body, my choice. And then it was the local news car. So the newer courthouse had a lot of these protesters about the, uh, the recent breaking news. So I just found that interesting because they was mentioning about the constitution with that recent story. Um, my, my third one is how white children are quickly, um, learning how to, if not practice racism, um, use, I guess what some people would call comedic timing. Uh, it was two white children. So I was taking their photos. It was an, it was an 11 year old now. And then it was an eight year old. So the eight year old went first. Um, so he took an awkward picture and then his older brother was making fun of him. And he said something about, man, we should take that picture and, uh, post it up in the house and put a meme on it or something. You know, he was using all kind of terms. So, and the mother, the white mother was standing there, you know, not taking it seriously. Um, so he took his picture and I did that one and I was waiting for the photograph, uh, print out. So I gave, well, I didn't give really, but I finished the uh, eight year old's photo. picture to take to the front counter and I was printing out the 11 year old's uh, picture and his mom was trying to get him to come back into the the uh, office area to hand back the picture and she said um you know you you have to excuse me or you have to excuse us you know he's he's acting really special and then the the other white kid he leaned toward me and whispered ed special ed so I was like, wow. So I just finished printing out the picture and I took it to the counter. So I said, y'all can uh, head back up to the front. But yeah, he just quickly just leaned and said, Ed, you know, special Ed. So I wanted to report that one. And then my next one, um, it was a, a white woman in the traffic area bragging about her looks and an old dude he was trying to, I guess, flirt with her or whatever. And then it's another old guy that's in the, that's in that same department, speaks Spanish or whatever. So she's coming back to him saying, Oh, you should have saw how he was, he was talking to me. And he, she said, uh, you must be really je jealous. Are you jealous? And he didn't really answer. He was just smiling and laughing. And, uh, he was asking, where do you get your blue eyes from? Oh, it comes from my mother's side. And, talking about the the guy that's in the same office that she has offspring with and saying that he's the eyeball because he doesn't have blue eyes. So she talking about German and I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, okay, she an Aryan or whatever. <laughs> so she a click member too. Um, 
and my next one is another white woman uh, that speaks to a, a black female about because she uh, has three black, well, not three black, but three non-white children with a black male cowbell. And she's talking about how they reacted to a melanated black male. And uh, apparently one of the little girls was saying, man, he, he, the other guy's brown, but he's just dark. Mama, he was so dark. And she's laughing or whatever. And the black female replies, oh, well, you got to teach them about their color. That's what she's uh, quoted to have said. Um, another white woman was angry in the in the uh, civil area, another clique member, she came out, at least the report given to me, she came out of the office where the black male, I guess, was reprimanding her about something, making mistakes, making too many mistakes. So she was red, like red in the face. And this person, pale, um, it's reported the black male said, Oh, well, it's okay. She needs some color. So, you know, I don't know what happened after that, but that's what he said about her. Um, and a, a white woman made a comment about a white man being arrested for uh, sexual assault. And she was like, man, I knew it. I knew he was going to be white. I why is it that they're always white? So she'd been trying to, uh, um, ever since the war and left, she's been trying to say things to certain black people, me and about two or three others, uh, to get us to react. And it hasn't worked. So she comes up saying, well, and I'm not a racist or anything like that. I dated a black man. So, um, but black men, as far as when I was working at the other building in the courts, it tend well, black men tend to molest and prey on their family members. So I didn't say nothing. And she just walked out. Um, and my last one is we, we got a, a black female on the switchboard. And apparently her name, her full name, is coming up on the call ID but it's not reading out the switchboard. Now, when the white women was up there, it says switchboard on it. Now that she's up there, it says her name on it. So I think that's an act of racism from my supervisor, of course, another connection to the warden. Um, but I wanted to report those things because especially with this last one, she's still trying to learn on the switchboard. So, She's been making a few mistakes, and I think they're going to use that to uh, sabotage her. And um, it looks like they're practicing unjust networking about her, too. So uh, that's all the reports I have this week. Thanks for allowing me to share. That's so tacky. He said when when the white woman worked the switchboard, they had her name. They got the black person, and that just hit switchboard. <laughs> did I get did I mix that up? Is that the way it was? You mean with the the call ID? Yes, sir. 
like it's, it was two it was two white women that worked before her and then it was reading switchboard like if someone were to call where I've been assigned and I looked on the screen it would be a call coming from the switchboard it's, it's just identified as switchboard now the black female works up there now they just have her name up there not switchboard so that's a, a racist act I think well a black female victim um informed me about that i was like i didn't know about that because i really get calls from the switchboard so apparently her name her full name is on there now so they can come over and say like the same white woman came over and said what's the what's your new person name over there trying to once again that gossip talking to the, the other white woman oh her name is such and such and then i just heard just some whispering after that and then she's going to make a comment, oh, I'm smarter than an average white girl. And she's like 58 years old. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, vicious. Vicious. Much obliged for the clarification. I got it uh, transposed. Uh, so the black person is the one where they put her full name up there and then when it was white women before and it just switchboard oh okay switchboard call got it got it which now that right there the deliberate if you could put switchboard up you could have just left it there why is the uh, black female's name if that's not the standard practice to identify everybody put their whole name up and then as it, that's the same justification that I give for why I say hey uh, mute the wardrobe not doing a whole lot of hair designs and accessories for the hair and bright colors and all that I uh, joyously support that uh, because in this situation we're just talking about somebody's name why is that anything to make the big to do about it even that like oh what's her name oh mm, nothing, who know? I mean nothing about that sounds like it's just going to be oh this person's name is that and moving forward it's, no we got something tacky to add and <laughs> I'm smarter than the average white girl mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Uh, before I nab just to make sure we didn't miss anybody in our last few moments before we are done the that's why I say see we were so many of them that's why I said I'm suspicious of all of that where a white person is commenting talking about their little so-called biracial family uh-huh uh-huh that's about all I have to say for any of that I dated a white person and then she wants to get in oh my child she saw a black person was so afraid this is not an appropriate setting for any of them see you got a black person they got to lean in and teach them and I am not the person to talk to you about any of that if it's back to the workplace the copier doesn't work we got a new project to work on great I'm not here to hear about how your biracial offspring are doing their dislike of dark people. Where did they get that from? I wonder. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, other folks who did we miss anybody? Listen, we napped all the folks. We didn't miss any. Uh, miss any hands. Right, 
Grant. We should be here uh, tomorrow neutralizing, or excuse me, compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we will catch up on what has gone down the last seven days or so, try to make the best sense we can, suggestions, questions, all of that. Uh, abortion nonsense, that was a big to-do uh, all throughout the country. In fact, that was another one. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and Jane Elliott, two cows guests, talked about that specifically and said they thought there would be more restrictions about abortion because of white fertility rates. Numbers of individuals classified as white. They just had the census numbers. Both theorized, Jane Elliott and Dr. Welsing theorized this was coming. But we'll chat about all that uh, Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, much obliged for everyone's participation had one more email I did not get to so we'll have one email that'll be for next week we'll start with that one huge thanks to all the folks who drop uh, an email I think it is important try to get as much uh, content perspectives as we can uh, just different things that happen to us in the workplace so we can all be more informed and make better safe choices that's it sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy they're already trying to poison us asbestos lead everything else that you can think of no need for us to be voluntarily ingesting more of their narcotics in addition to being sober if you're out and about this is not a time for verbal confrontations uh, you should be thinking that this person male or female could be armed in fact could have an armed entourage if you didn't leave your residence prepared to kill and or die exit you can call enforcement officers as you're vacating the area if you're in a vehicle you are sober buckled up and not on a cell phone uh, just doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no and we need all of our attention that's it creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no name calling no throwaway children nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. You're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>